Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fangs. Episode 99. Yep. Man, we almost about to hit a milestone. But we did. We passed one and I didn't bring it up. Um, we've surpassed 13,000 listens. That's awesome. Yeah, man. 13,109 uh, to be a- uh, accurate at this time. Mm-hmm. And to a lot of people, it may not mean a lot. But for a podcast, that's a shitload of listens. Especially yeah. to two, I want to call us nobodies, but you know, we're just two niggas. I mean, uh, two two guys, uh, <laughs> two gods. <laughs> <laughs> you a god, man. You ain't no nigga. You a god. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. So it means a lot, and uh, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, that's dope. It's and you like you said, we we just kind of started this on a whim, and we right. just stay consistent with it, and. Thirteen thousand is it's a it's a lot. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to three hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, I can't 798, wait. Seven hundred and ninety-eight thousand. A million over a million. That's what you do it for, man. You got to do it for the long game. A lot of people they do things and it, and it doesn't work out the way they want to, mm-hmm. and then they just like we should take a break. Like that's just not how life works, man. Yeah, you got to stay in the fucking game, man. I think it's interesting because you know I've been telling Eddie that a few people have been contacting me or contacting even him about right. starting podcasts and i don't know if they realize how much work goes into this definitely you know it's just, it's a weekly thing you gotta prepare for these top topics and this is not our main focus really no. you know no. obviously we put a lot of time into it but we got other jobs we got to do you know eddie's on the truck for you know 12 hours 13 hours in a day and we still are able to find time to, you know, bring forth this content. So for anybody out there that think they want to do it, just make sure you realize that it's a lot of work that goes into this. Not only that, if you don't have time, make it. Like th- people say, oh, I'm busy. I don't have enough time to do that. Well, you're actually kind of full of shit mm-hmm. because you make time for things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, bottom line. You're you're never going to be too busy to do the things that you really, really, really want to do. Yeah. Even if you're in a relationship and you're busy, she's busy, you're going to find a way to make that shit work if you care about each other. And that's the same way you should look at it is if you're trying to do something um, in the podcast or or creativity realm. Yeah. You know? I always think about, like, especially guys, I'm speaking from a guy perspective. Right, right, right. We, we always, like you said, we always talk about. Talk about eating ass, right? No, <laughs> we always talk about an excuse, <laughs> an excuse we have for not doing whatever, not working out, not doing anything. But right. every guy knows if there was some girl that hit them up, it's 10 o'clock right now on a Sunday night. If there right. was some girl that hit him up like, hey, what you doing, big head or whatever, or sent you a picture or, you know, ask, hit you with that you up text, you would be over there and you're going to spend however long True. it takes to get in them draws so you know True. just take that same amount of intensity or same amount of uh effort or stick to it stick to itiveness and uh put that towards if you want to do a podcast 100 you know, yeah. a, a lot of most men put more effort into chasing pussy than chasing their dreams yeah that's a goddamn shame that ain't yeah. now here's the deal if it's two in the morning and you want to give me some pussy and you hit me up chances are i'm not coming you know why because i'm asleep okay <laughs> My or I turn my fucking phone off. Yeah, I'm not. Look, I'm almost 35. I'm not chasing the late night booty call. 
Yeah. I'll chase the booty call, but I have to actually be awake. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to fall asleep in the pussy. I'm not doing it. Trying to fall. <laughs> you know, you know, one thing I've been doing um that has helped me out a, a a great deal is I just turn my notifications off now. I just turn my fucking phone off. No, I'm not talking about when you sleep. I'm just uh, talking about throughout the day. Uh, like I don't have I don't ever have my notifications on. Oh so like wow. my phone is on silent the whole day. And oh. if I see like, you know, I check my phone quite often, but yeah. You know, if I'm doing something or whatever, like my phone is not constantly vibrating because, you know, now with the with social media and w- with group text messages and you just have so much ac- there's so much access to you. Um, yeah, I think it's important for people to just, you know, just get out of the social media realm and get out of the text message. Realm. I think anything that, that takes too much of your attention is bad. If you're getting back to back text messages. I just think that's bad too. Yeah, I think at some point, just give me a fucking call. Yeah, you know, it's just eh, 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 eh. like, and it's just all day vibrating. I don't, I don't have the. First of all, I don't have the the, the time to text chicks all day. Like I'm just a different guy. I, if I'm at work, I'm a truck driver too, so I'm not going to be texting you. And then on my the weekend. I'll text you a little bit. We could go back and forth for a while, but I'm just going to get tired of texting your fucking ass. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's terrible. It's it's the most terrible way to really communicate. Yeah. Text messaging is trash. But anyways, um, switching gears. Um, unfortunately, uh, just yesterday I went to a funeral and, uh, it was of someone that I consider to be a friend. Uh, we went to high school, played football together, um, and he was. We were exactly the same age. Our birthdays are even in the same month. His is in March. Mine's is in March. Um, Thirty-four years old, man. And, and the thing that's crazy about it is, is when you're. I've been to three funerals where the person was exactly my age. All three of them I considered friends. Um, one, I lost to gang violence, uh, another one, natural causes and another one, natural causes. But when someone is in that casket and you looking at them, it's almost like you looking at yourself. You know what I'm saying? If that person had it their way, they would still be here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just, it changes your perspective on life big time because you, you realize you don't have the time that you think you do. You don't have the time that you think you do, you know, and it was eating me up seeing his his son and his daughters and stuff over there. And at the same time, there was an element of joy to it because he left behind a legacy. He was a solid guy. Um, His kids had a solid dad. So that's that's the good thing. But it's just the fact that, you know, when somebody's that young. um, Yeah, and it's a trip, especially being a black man, you know, and seeing three black men your age pass on you know it, it, it it's it's a little more personal as well mm-hmm. um, but it's just a constant reminder to stop putting shit off and this has nothing to do with uh the deceased but just in general from a general ask like a general way of looking at it stop putting shit off and acting like you have time to do it mm-hmm. stop staying in situations in dysfunctional working situations or dysfunctional relationships whatever it is Find out what you got to do, man, because you don't know. One of the biggest thing, the biggest scares you can have in your life is leaving this earth unhappy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are going to end up that way, being petty and having Twitter arguments and social media arguments and 
all this bullshit that people do, it's just it's corny because mm-hmm. we're all we all gonna go to the same fucking hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just a trip, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about it too. It doesn't matter if you're liberal, conservative, black, white, gay, trans, whatever the fuck you are. None of that shit matters when you're gone. You're just dead. Yeah, you're not a liberal anymore. You're not active in anything. Your life is done now. You're done. Yeah. And it, I just trip out over the shit that we, the trivial bullshit that we still argue about in this world, whether it be racism or oppression or, you know, whether you're conservative or you're liberal or you're trans or you're gay or whatever the fuck you are. It's, it's just all trivial shit. Yeah. All that really matters is your legacy and what kind of person you are when you were alive. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just extra. That's real. So yeah. something to think about, dude. I think um, definitely funerals. I think you know I haven't been to a funeral with a person that was my age. Um, so that's like a different perspective. But just yeah. the the idea of funeral overall is like you. Um, for me, I always look at it as a as an opportunity to accomplish the things that they didn't get to see you do. Right. Kind of always keep them over your shoulder Mm -hmm. Um, because I have two of my grandparents passed away and you know I kind of every step of the way I I always kind of you know keep them in mind as far as like me accomplishing certain things and you know being grateful that I was able to accomplish things that they were probably looking forward to seeing so 100% yeah you just got to keep it going you got to ask yourself would they be proud of me you know my grandmother passed away it's been now since it's been well over 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, would she be proud of the man I am? And I'll have to say yes. Yeah. Uh, because I give my I give a, I give my effort um, and not only becoming a better man, but just being a better human being, mm-hmm. um, providing for myself and doing things that, you know, um, a lot of people aren't doing. Yeah. And, and I'm sure she'd be proud of me. Uh, and yeah. But let me let me say this, because I don't, don't want to stay on this topic very long. Um when you go to a funeral, the objective for everyone should be to pay your respects. If you're doing anything... Before, before you get to that point, I want to say something about my grandma and then we could... Oh, oh go ahead, man. I'm sorry. But um, just because I didn't want to... You know, you're going to take it to her. I know where you're taking it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but um, I almost owe my whole like ap- academic career to my grandma because um, we came from um, a city where I went to like three different elementary schools in my kindergarten years and I had like, you know, there wasn't a real like stability, you know, I was missing a lot of school and stuff. And then we came to Bakersfield and then we lived with her and she worked at a school. So she took, you know, she took academics very seriously and she was teaching us how to write. And we was at home after school, like writing, you know, trying to learn the proper ways to write. And she would make us, we would have like the college rule paper and she would never let us write in the lines. We would always have to, you know how you learn yeah. to write with the three with the three lines yeah, exactly. and a little dotted line yes. in the middle? Yeah. She would make us write like that on on the paper. So, you know, just like teaching us good handwriting and, uh-huh. you know, just different stuff like that. So I uh like, you know, kinda like you said, I just I just wanted to continue that legacy and, you know, part of me getting my degree and finishing school was because of her. So just gotta That's uh right. My grandmother was an educator also. Mm-hmm. And we went over there, we would have flashcards and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, that's just like that. I, I credit my grandmother uh, for, you know, pushing, not pushing, but showing me that, you know, higher education was, you know, 
it was beneficial. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, you know, I'm a college dropout, but uh-huh. I, I mean, I dropped out of college, but I never stopped learning. You, you know go. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like my education wasn't formal anymore, but it was, I still kept learning. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that I continue to try to, you know, I guess increase my, um, uh, uh, aptitude or intelligence in yeah. certain ways, but yeah, I credit, awesome I credit, I credit her for that. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this, um, when you go to a funeral, the, the objective for everyone should be, um, to pay, re- pay your respects. If you do anything besides pay your respects, you need to stay your dumb ass at home. And what upset me at, uh, the last two funerals I was at is the fact that people make a funeral about them instead of the person that's in the fucking casket. And I've seen somebody that literally answered the phone during the funeral service. And I wanted to say something, but out of respect for the family, I kept my mouth shut. Then there was a kid that was, you know, just being super loud. But what I consider is, you know, maybe the kid could have possibly have autism and, you know, maybe have an episode. Mm-hmm. But then there was two other kids that that were both, I think they were twins, and they were making noises with their mouth. And the parents didn't say anything. And I'm just like, yo... The family is mourning the loss of their son, and you can't get your kid to shut the fuck up. Take your badass kids out in the fucking lobby. You don't need to hear your kids making noises with their mouth. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you this much right now. When I was a kid, if I made noises or did something like that, my dad never really, he never whooped us, but not very much at all. But I would get my ass whooped for that shit. Mm-hmm. Straight up. You got to get a grip on your kids. And I know it's it's hard to take that advice from a guy that doesn't have kids. But if I had kids, there's no fucking way they'd be at a funeral making noises. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. You would be out in that lobby and I would be threatening to whoop your ass if you did that. Respect the families. And yeah. And it, it it's a thing where obviously as a parent, you need to control your kids. 100%. But if you don't have a grip on your parenting, yeah. you should just dip. Just leave. Yeah. Just fucking go home. And and another another thing too is is when um they say does anybody have any words you know for you know the person passing <clears throat> and when you come to the podium you get two minutes mm-hmm. right so be short and sweet and I and I take that serious because when I spoke at a friend's funeral I didn't go up there with the intentions of ter- telling these long winded stories um, because if there's any long winded stories to be told I'll reserve that for the family. If they want to speak on the deceased, give them that opportunity. I just want to pay my respects to, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the, my, my homeboy's wife and, you know, his kids and stuff. Make it short, make it brief and get off the podium. It was people up there for like eight minutes just talking. <laughs> it's like, dude, sit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? This is not a fucking talent show. It's a funeral. Like, stop making it about you. I hated that. It really bothered me. I don't. And it's like, I don't get bothered by too much, but I think in certain situations, you should definitely have more empathy than putting the focus on you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say rest in peace to Stanley, Stanley Stansel, man. He's a solid dude, and, you know, you know, he was a Niner fan, a truck driver. We bonded over those things, mm-hmm. um, and he was a diehard Niner fan. He had a Niner hat and, this, and a jersey on. You know, yeah, and I was like, man, like it just, you know, and and before he passed, he invited me to a Super Bowl party, Mm -hmm. and uh, 
he didn't make it to see that. But I, all, I, all I'll say is this, because I don't want to harp on this too long. Um, make sure you're letting people know. <clears throat> make sure you're letting people know uh, how you feel. Um, let them know their importance to you. Um, and don't leave any stone left unturned. Um, because if you do, there could be great regret. And th- this is in no relation to Stanley or his family or anyone else. Just generally speaking, um, we're all not, a lot of us are not all afforded the time we we want. Uh, so keep that in mind before you have a grudge against somebody, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't want to speak to. Them. I hit a homie up the other day and told him, I said, I don't know what you and your cousin going through, but you guys better figure it the fuck out. Y'all better start talking because don't have a nerve to cry at someone's funeral, but you didn't fuck with them while they was alive. Okay. Make sure you fix that shit. But, yeah, I yeah. um, I just we just looked at the little clip of a uh, mm-hmm. Big Shine and Joe Budden's interview, and he was talking mm-hmm. about I, I think I don't know if it was Kobe or Nipsey Hussle, but whichever one it was, you know him and uh, him and Kendrick Lamar had like a little you know back and forth yeah uh, for the past couple of years, and he was like yeah man after after the passing like I had to definitely hit up um, Kendrick Lamar and you know just kind of share our shared thoughts on the whole situation and you know mm-hmm. they they made up so I, I think that's important man don't yeah. don't um let these things linger especially when they're not that big nah some small yeah. shit yeah 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 it could be some sort of small disagreement or even if it's money if you know money yeah. is just materialistic stuff you you're obviously doing fine because you're alive right now so you know don't let these things linger yeah people are just oh my god people are petty too mm-hmm. they'll be like yeah, I'm here at the funeral, but he owed me money. I, I, I think I think it was uh, uh, Kevin Hart said something. I think it was his dad or yeah, yeah. Said, yeah. he owed me money. He owed me money, right, and it's baby. like, what the? Why the fuck did you come to the funeral? <laughs> I'll tell you this much right now. God forbid if if anyone was to pass in my family, you got anything bad to say, I'm fucking you up right there at the <laughs> funeral. You will not get to leave. I'm gonna just get up and sock you right in the fucking mouth. <laughs> It's like, oh, so now you want to talk. You want to wait until <laughs> someone is in the casket? Well, I'm now I have to fuck you up. Now, I, uh, that's why I, I give props to Nipsey Hussle's bodyguard, yeah. J-Rock. Yeah. Because old boy, uh, WAC 100, was running his mouth and it ended up getting socked in the head. Yeah. You can't, you cannot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, switching gears. You said, um, uh-huh. There's a couple of people that I mentioned a podcast over there. Too. Oh, oh yeah, just some people that I ran into, man. Um, let me say this because I, I don't, I don't like to ever solicit uh, the podcast at all. I I'd rather people catch the podcast from a very like, hey, let me check this out. Like, I rather people find it like organically. I don't ever want to force the content on anyone, right? Uh, but it's some, I ran into a few people and they said, hey, man, I appreciate what you're doing. I like the podcast. They're doing a good job. And that made me feel good, and I, I appreciated it. Yeah, it, it meant a lot. It just meant that you know people are thinking about you know thinking about our content, thinking about us, and that means a lot. For any of you guys that still hit me up in the inbox, don't think for one minute that I don't appreciate it because it means a whole lot to me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm almost surprised even still when right people because I we do this pot we 99 episodes in, but sometimes yeah. I it's so it's such a a rhythm to what we do. We right. do it every Sunday that I right. almost forget that I'm doing it in a sense. Right. Like same I'm, here. Like you said, I'm not out soliciting and I don't like yeah. wear them 
like I don't have a banner when I'm walking around. So right. when people mention it, when you know, even when my friends, you know, people that I'm actually close with are like, yeah. "Yo, man, I, you know, I listen to such and such episode," or and I just forget, you know, a lot yeah. of times because you're just out in the world doing stuff. And or yeah. even when we drop it, it's like, okay, we dropped it, but what are we doing next week? Or right. what kind of content could we put out? Or yeah, like, it comes fast, man. Or like, you know, we're working on building, you know, an infrastructure and stuff. So yeah. This, this shit comes fast when you're consistent like us this shit comes fast like once yeah. we finish the podcast and then we get it uploaded and we send it out monday you know by tuesday wednesday we're already talking about new topics and then all of a sudden boom it's friday yeah yeah this shit it comes quick if you if you think yeah i want to start a podcast and i you know and then you have this idea of it blowing up in you know five months that's the wrong way to look at it, man. Mm-hmm. Me and Keith were getting five or six listens when we first started. Yeah. Seven listens. We didn't get shit. Yeah. And then people were like, hey, that's pretty dope. And then word of mouth got around, and now we got over 13,000 listens. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Crazy, man. Definitely, dude. The consistency. I think, you like you, we always said, um, imagine, and we could do this better ourselves. Right, right, right. as people, but imagine if we were able to do whatever this consistent you know what I mean? we do the podcast this consistent but yeah what if it you, you've been in the gym lately hitting it you yeah. know really hard but oh yeah you know for the listeners out there what is something that you kind of dabbled in or whatever that you think that you could do more consistent just just think about us you know what i mean use us as some sort of inspiration because we haven't missed a, a week in 99 episodes yeah <laughs> that's insane yeah that's insane if you ever, if ladies, if any of you were ever thinking like, I wonder what Eddie is like, is like a husband or a boyfriend. Well, you know what? Look, hey, I'm very consistent, as you can see. Right? <laughs> 99 episodes. <laughs> All right. That's know, real. My stroke game is pretty good, too. Yeah. I mean, th- no, but, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like all jokes aside, <laughs> like um, if you put that same amount of effort into uh, a relationship then you know 100 you know it's it's probably going to work out if you're you know yeah. two individuals that are actually trying to make something work yeah and, and not to mention right i think that one thing i will say about myself because i don't i don't like to pat myself on the back too much is that if you get in a relationship with a guy like me you would see that i'm very driven in regards oh, yeah. to what i want so if i want to have a successful relationship I'm not going to bring drama. I'm not going to be argumentative and all these things. I just want peace and I want things to go smooth. Yeah. And that's what I'm about. Now, I'm not going to try to sell that to you. You would have to really get to know me, but that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be very rich someday. So there you go. Uh, yeah. You got to get me early. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's this is it's a, it's a hard one cuz you know me and you know all my guys we we definitely believe that we're going to be very successful one day. 100%. So it's always that conversation about um you know wanting to lock a woman down before we start to reach these heights because definitely. once you you know reach a certain amount of success you don't know how authentic these women that are coming into your life will be. Oh yeah. So that's going to be hard. I, I know that the chicks now that like my thing is, is, you know, I, I, I'm not like thirsty in everybody's DM, but I do DM chicks here and there because that's what it's used for. 
And just yeah. to kind of like like politely shoot my shot to see what it's about. Yeah. I'll get like a probably a short-ended response for some of them. Like a chick, let's say like, ooh, she got a nice body. I'm going to try to hit that. Yeah. You know, and crack a little joke and see what it's about. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. And then that's it. And then you just kind of. These short-ended responses. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, she doesn't want anything here. Yeah. Um, But I guarantee you, if you change my status, meaning um, popularity, uh, top of the food chain, worth like 10 million dollars those same short-ended responses will be like oh my god how are you been what are you doing you're what are so you, funny you're so funny i've always believed in you what are you doing can i suck your cock i'll be ah, like well, uh, <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i don't want to be in that situation honestly though but i'll it's be like, real like, like I, groupies yeah i don't it's yeah. not even so much groupies just just chicks that i shot my shot at oh that didn't let me you yeah. know do anything and at the end of the day, it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. You know, but I probably would fuck them though. I ain't gonna lie. That's that, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Cause even, um, I would say now, like, I don't, we don't have any sort of like, no, we don't have that much notoriety, but you could kind of f- sense it. Like, you know, people that are, I'm gonna call them fans, but people that are listeners to our podcast. Right, right, right. And, especially females like they kind of start to view you a little bit different like they have a different appreciation for you true now that you have you know thirteen thousand listens and you're you know one of the bigger podcasts in 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 central valley and whatnot yeah 100 percent. i'll say this right before we move on um i'm just gonna come out and say it um we've been doing this shit for a while and i've heard other podcasts and i'm not trying to compare us to them or anything but what I will say is this. When you listen to this podcast, you won't just turn the shit off. We we do our best job to keep you engaged and also um, speak from the heart because this shit's not written down. Mm-hmm. So if you want a robotic podcast, go ahead and listen to everybody else. Um, switching gears. Our um, engagement <laughs> is more successful than people's relationships. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Niggas yeah. get engaged and. I'm engaging. Our, our podcast has outlasted 75% of relationships <laughs> in Bakersfield, California. There's some chicks that have had four fucking boyfriends and we've on episode 99. Yeah. You're like, damn. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, switching gears. Uh, Keith had an experience. Uh, he was over in Ventura. I don't really know what it's about, but yeah. um, Keith will make sense of all of this. Uh, Keith? Yeah. So basically, I went to Ventura. My guy, John Will, we played football together in high school. And um, after that, we just kind of kept in touch back and forth, back and forth. And recently, he's, uh, I think he's been in Ventura for a couple years, but he moved out there and he just, um, he took he took a liking to the city and the culture there. It's nice. And he's all, yeah, it's a beautiful city. I would, it's off the one-on-one. Yeah, I would definitely, like if I was, um, I probably wouldn't live in Los Angeles, but living right there would be dope. Oh yeah, just right you know, there, right Oxnard. They're right yeah, next to each other. All that, yeah, all, all those mm-hmm. places. So, but Santa you know, d- just a dope culture there. Um, but we, uh, he invited me out there, and he's he's been brainstorming and just trying to trying to figure life out. You know what I mean? Just you know, trying to do different entrepreneurial endeavors. And one of the things that he came across was this this thing called Pinnacle, and Pinnacle is. Um, just kind of you know with the definition of a pinnacle is kind of like a like mm-hmm. the top of the a top. mountain or you know the Peak. top of whatever yeah field or whatever so he uh he has this blog or this kind of brand that he wants to that he's creating and it's kind of centered around creatives 
and he just wants to interview and have conversations and dialogue with different people that he's um, maybe not a fan of, but, but that he sees from afar that he's, he's, a, he's he appreciates their work and he, he appreciates their drive. Right. So he came out here one time. He was out here to Bakersfield and he was visiting his family and he hit me up. And, um, you know, he's like, yo, man, we got to link up. We got to, you know, sit down and grab some coffee or something like that. So he uh, we met at Starbucks. We chopped it up for like 45 minutes just about, you know, all the things that I'm doing, all the things that he's doing. And he was like, before he left, he was like, yo, I want you like I, he basically explained to me Pinnacle. And then he was like, I want you to be the first person that I interview for this oh. this blog or this this website that I'm putting together. And for me, like if if I can help people in any way that I know how, I'm all for it. 100%. So, yeah. So I, I can see the drive in his eyes and I can see that he was really about it. He's a person that's working like three jobs and he's still going to school full time and Jesus he's just trying Christ. to make a way. He's your age? He's a year younger than me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, man, let's make it happen. So, you know, he hit me up and he was like, um, he's like, he doesn't come out here too often because the schedule's so crazy. But I was like, bro, I'll drive to Ventura if you yeah. want to do the interview. Yeah. And then we set up a date like um, a few months down the line and, you know, things didn't work out on the initial date. And then we moved it to like the Saturday, which was yesterday. We moved it to that Saturday and then I went out there and it was just amazing, man, because, you know, it's we do a lot of these things just off of our our own inspiration, our our own desires to just do podcasts, our own desires to do short films, our own desires to do stand-up or whatever. Right, right, right. You know, it's solely for us. And then in turn, we want to make people happy and we want listeners to enjoy our content. But at the same time, um, it was just dope for someone to appreciate you on that level right. to where they would want to actually interview you. Yeah. So it's a dope interview. And it wasn't, you know, I've... we. Me and the finesse guys, we've been on the radio once, and um, I haven't done too many things as far as like interview mm-hmm. interviews like that. But just to um, well, just to be to you be, ha- you have, but you've been the one interviewing though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's different. But I haven't been yeah. on on this side of the fence. But right, right. So, um, but just you know, just to be in that at that that realm, we pulled up at a church, and then his guy Landon, he set up the camera and. You know, I kind of helped with the lighting, which was cool. He was like, yo, this is yours. And I know you understand, like, lighting and, you know, film and stuff like that. So, you know, I could, you could definitely help set the whole scene up. So that was dope to, you know, kind of give me a little bit of freedom with that. And then we set it up. And then um, even the questions he was asking, he had sent me the questions the day before. And um, actually, it was I didn't get a chance to actually look at the questions. But yeah. I, I almost felt better about it because I was like, yo, I want to go in with, like, not even knowing what you're gonna ask, just that's so better. I can, yeah, just so I can just you know. But that's off what you the do. That's yeah. what you do though. The podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I just like, and I trusted him, and I know he's you know is a good conversation, so I, I right. understood. But the questions were like amazing, and it it wasn't the generic questions about you right. know, like how did you start it in this, and how did yeah. this get going, how did this get going. Yeah, it was really like molecules. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it like everything if you think about the word pinnacle, it kinda um and that being a word that just encompasses so much, that's mm-hmm. kinda if you if you use that as a metaphor, that's kinda how the interview went. It was like mm. he wasn't asking these generic questions, but he was asking questions that were um just a little like thought provoking questions right, 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 right. And, and just great conversation pieces. So 
um, so we did that, you know, we did the interview and it was just, it was just funny cause I was answering questions and, you know, we do a podcast every week, so we know how to talk a little bit and right. we've put in, you know, uh, thousands and I don't know how many hours now, but a we lot, put in, you know, a we lot. Put in, I'm sure it's over a thousand hours of content. Way more than that. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're okay at this. We're okay at speaking. So yeah. when they were asking me questions, like you could just see the crowds, not crowd, but it was just two of them. Um, <laughs> you could just see their reaction. I was like, yo, yo, this is really good. Man. This is really good. So yeah, he's black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen a black talk. Like that. <laughs> this nigger is good. This nigger is good. You speak. <laughs> hey, black history. Uh, nah, but it was it was just dope, man. You know, it's, like I said before, it was it's dope just, um, you know, having someone uh, appreciate you as a person, and then also appreciate the work that you're doing. So, um, yeah, man, be on the lookout for that. You know, for the listeners or anybody that want to see it, it'll it'll take some time to edit, and you know, he he's kind of making it like a little mini doc yeah. um, type of thing, kind of like I wouldn't call it like a thirty for thirty, but more yeah. so like. You know, just sort of like a, a miniature version of, you know, any oh. of these documentaries you see. So it'll be out and I'll share with, you know, with everybody that follows yeah. me on social media I, and stuff. I can see Keith doing like a TED talk. That would be so dope. That would be dope. It's like, hi, my name is Keith from Bakersfield, California. <laughs> um, the molecule. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, um, hi, my name is Keith. I'm from bakersfield california and i just wanted to talk to you guys today about pussy juice <laughs> uh, we talked about the molecular structure of, uh, <laughs> pussy uh, juice is important because um we have to procreate and without pussy juice that would be impossible everybody's just cheering like <laughs> you get a standing ovation <laughs> Oh, uh, that's be, funny. It'd be some old black man with a tear in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. Hey, finally, somebody to understand a pussy juice. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting my whole life. <laughs> nah, I, I think it's cool what Keith did because uh, it's one of those situations where you don't know where people are going to be. Nobody knew what Steve Jobs was going to be. Nobody knew what all these people were going to be. So when people are at the beginning of, of anything and they actually have integrity, I think you should support them. For sure. You should truly, you should seriously support them. Um, and you don't know what that's, <clears throat> that's going to turn into. Yeah. You don't know. I, yeah. you, you probably did that, but let's imagine five, six years down the, the road and you're like, hey, uh, I was going to reach out to you because I have investors and financiers and this, yeah. this, and this. And I was wondering if you could, you know, if you could work for me or you could be a partner. Mm -hmm. You have no idea where things yeah. are going to go. Or even just the historical context of, those yeah. kind of things right like, you know we all the time like if you think about um you know kobe bryant's passing and people pulling up high school dunk contests and right. things that i had never seen before so yeah. you know that just you know we talk about leaving a legacy and footprint um yeah doing things that live on forever you know mm -hmm. that that interview is going to be able to sit and sit on the internet for forever and then you know wherever we go down the line or you know movies and podcasts and tours or whatever right. people are going to be able to look at that like you know 10 12 years ago and you know if you uh if they make a documentary about us or you know whatever happens yeah, you know that'd be awesome. with us you could pull that content and just throw it on a doc and it'd be like yo this is his first like real legit interview so yeah 
Yeah, I think one of my only, not one of my only, but my, my my primary objective in regards to just my life in general is leaving behind the legacy. Yeah. Like, you know, the unfortunate thing about going to funerals is, you know, you pay your respects, but you do see people, you know, uh, they're deceased. But yeah. what I think about is like, what can I leave people? What can I leave people when I'm gone? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh-huh. What kind of like content? What kind of things can I do? Because at the end, you can't take any of this shit with you. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you got small titties, big titties, a big booty, you're pretty, you got a nice car, you got a fucked up car, you got great credit back. None of that matters. Yeah. When you go in that hole, it's fucking over. The only thing you can leave behind is that legacy. Mm-hmm. Right now, we got 99 podcasts. And by the time I'm gone, I would not mind having so many podcasts that even Joe Rogan can't catch up. <laughs> But I, I don't think I'll ever catch Yeah, we're, we're a little bit behind, but the, yeah. the idea is right there. Yeah, like, man. That's, you know, that's, uh, you talked about it, man. Like, content is real estate. 100%. So that interview, um, you know, one of my boys went out there with me, Anthony. He was just out there with his camera, you know, taking pictures and, you know, that's doing awesome. some behind-the-scenes stuff. And it's just like, we, for me, I'm not a big social media guy, but I do take yeah. advantage of, like, my cell phone so if i'm at oh, something yeah. we at the childish gambino concert yeah like i'll be sure to capture a moment even though i'm engaged still and right, i don't right, want right, to just right. have my phone out for the whole time right, but even right. like you know i was telling some of my friends like one of the the most ex- amazing experiences that i had at a concert was when he played that new song and generally yeah, you want to so hear dope. Yeah, yeah generally you want to hear your favorite song or the single or whatever yeah. but he was like yo there's some new stuff i was working on it's dope but, and he yeah. he was so confident about it he was like i already know this song is dope and the whole setup and the the lights and the laser beams were yeah. shooting across everything and eddie captured it on his phone yeah and it's like you could i think it's still on your instagram right uh, I believe it is. Yes. Yeah, so yes. you can go and see that. And you know, while we was there, I told Eddie, and the song hasn't came out yet. But I told Eddie, I was like, "Yo, this is gonna be a number one song." Yeah, you did. So and is it, it's not even really out yet. No, no it, it's it, not. The song is not out. The only uh, version of the song that was out is on the Google Pixel commercial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that yeah. song is hard. Bar- yeah. b- hands down, best best fucking <laughs> best fucking concert experience ever. Yeah, all the, the the live bands, the amount of energy you put mm-hmm. into it. That shit was so dope. Yeah, was... I would love to have a conversation with that guy. He's on. He's on my. I won't say short list. I have a pretty long list, but yeah, Gambino's on there. J Cole's on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Currency, the rapper Currency, he's on there. It's um, relationships, man. I yeah. think. Um, like I said about, you know, doing those first interviews and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not famous by any means, but yeah. if I was, if I had a Grammy or Oscar or whatever and John Will hit me up, he was like, hey man, come be on our platform. Like yeah. I would do it because John is a solid dude. A hundred percent. we go way back. So, yeah. you know, I, I see if you look on YouTube and just search up or look up like J. Cole interviews back when he had the short hair, or yeah. Charles Gambino interviews when he had short hair and very little facial hair. Yeah. And I don't know how those interviews came about, but I'm sure they were based off of relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, probably one of my biggest goals, especially being from Bakersfield, is to bring something to the city um, that they're not used to having. Meaning, yeah. you know, I want to be that guy where they're like, oh, fuck, that's Eddie and that's Keith. Yeah, you know we we have we, we'll, we'll, even if we had these tours, we'll finish up in our city. Just bring some pride here, because yeah. just 
there's not a lot of pride out here. It's just a lot of people shitting on where we're from. Mm -hmm. And it's very rare you see people that take pride in where we come from. Yeah. So I think not only it's not we don't do the podcast. If you notice when we do the podcast, we don't shit on the city. Never. Because we're trying to create things. We're trying to mm-hmm. if you there's not a market like that for podcasts out here. So it's yeah. important to be the market. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. What, what Keith is doing, what we're doing. If yeah. you do if we I, I won't say if, when. When we do that, there's gonna be a whole lot of podcasts popping up. There's mm-hmm. gonna be a whole lot of creatives coming out. Because just that, know where it started. Yeah, just know where it started. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, and there are people that started this shit before, yeah. but they quit. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. I think um, one of the things that I mentioned in the interview was he was kind of saying like, "What do you do it for?" And one of the for the ratchets. Yeah, I do it for the hoes. But but, uh, one of my my answers was, I do it for you know Bakersfield, you know, partly, and then also like a sub text to that is that I do it for all these people or kids or whatever in these little small cities right. two hours, three hours away from the major cities. Right. So all those people in like Carson City, which is like what, like four or five hours away from Las Vegas yeah. or, um, you know, all those people in like Socrates, which is like three hours, two hours away from New York City, like all those kids that or people that don't have the advantages of living in Los Angeles, you know, right. like that that's almost like a cheat code in a sense. Um, like, you know, with the power of the internet, we've been able to kind of like globalize everything. Right. So we just want to do it and, you know, be proud of where we're from because there's so many reports of all the little cities or all, you know, mm-hmm. especially Bakersfield being the worst place to Race grow kids, up and yeah. On, and all man. these kind of things, but it's STDs like, and yeah, it's, it is what you, it is what you make it. So if you out there sticking dick, sticking naked dick in the um, right. girls with diseases, you're going to have an STD. Yeah. But, you know, you, if you keep your dick to yourself, you'll be all right. You deserve that STD. <laughs> you had that STD coming, buddy. Yeah. I don't wish harm on nobody as far as like the STDs or oh, whatever. Not at all. But like, I hate the fact that there are many people out here that think it's just okay not to use protection, but their only just or their only justification for it is that they haven't caught a disease yet. And it's like, dude, you're gonna catch the fucking coronavirus on your, <laughs> on your, on your dick if you keep this shit up. And it, it was funny too is you'll hear chicks say shit like, "This is so gross. I'm never. I'm not having sex. I'm the any. I'm just done having sex right now." And yeah. it's like, shut up. I know, like, pregnant. I got like five homies that fucked you. Shut, <laughs> shut the fuck. And I know up. four of them didn't use no condoms because yeah. I know them niggas. And they're filthy guys. Yeah. So you let these filthy guys fuck you, and now you're like, "Ew, this is gross." That's so crazy. Shut up, people. Just protect yourself. Stop being an idiot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to brag, but I've never caught anything because there's this thing called condoms, and I, I use them, and uh, yeah, they work pretty great. Actually. Yeah. The, and then the, the condom, the, the condom technology is much better now. Oh you, yeah. Back in the day, you used those condoms. It felt like you were putting a grocery bag on your dick, man. Yeah. I'll now be, you got the bear skin. Yeah, you be hitting it from the back. Like, is this a food max bag? <laughs> I was, I was hitting it from the back like food max <laughs> take it to the max 
I was hitting it from the back with a Vallarta bag on my dick. A <laughs> Vallarta? <laughs> Oh, heck no. That's comedy. Oh, man. Real niggas know about Vallarta. A motherfucking uh, to-go bag from Los Hermanos and shit. <laughs> Remember the commercials for Los Hermanos? Uh-uh. Authentic Mexican food. Los Hermanos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mauricio. Oh, my God. Mauricio. <laughs> I remember it was a, a, on the commercial. It would show like like a Mexican family, and they'd be like yeah. Mauricio's, yeah. and they show a white family. They'd be like Mauricio's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they got no accent. Yeah, it'd be like you know, local commercials be so bad, dude. Yeah, I just oh wish God. I wish they could just tap in with some real creatives to yeah put some money behind these commercials because some of them be looking like they shot on uh, Android phones and they just put them on TV. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. Android phones are actually good. There's you a, know, yeah. I, mean, I have an Android phone, but the specific. typical, the typical, I wouldn't call it the typical. There's like three good Android phones out there in the, the world. Cheap, the it's like some ones. LG, some Samsungs, and this Google Pixel is solid. Mm-hmm. But it'd be a lot of, uh, you know, you look at people's Snapchats and Instagrams, you'd be like, God damn, what stop kind using of- them goddamn Obama phones. Yeah, man. you shooting Snapchats with. A potato? Yeah, yeah. Obama would tell you himself, look, stop using my phone. <laughs> stop taking pictures with my phones. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. This is not for uh, uh, commercial use. <laughs> Use it to get a job. <laughs> you funny. see a chick with her ass on a counter with her Obama phone, and Bruh. then underneath the picture, it'd be like, Obama would be like, this is not what this is for. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be some hood nigga with all kind of like little filters, or it'd be some like ratchet girls with like filters and stuff all over their face. Just like, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. All yeah. right, um, shout out to Barack Obama. Shout out to Barack. Uh, switching gears. Uh, Snoop Dogg's apology. Recently, Snoop Dogg got on Gail's ass, Gail King's ass, because she asked a question about Kobe's 2003 um, um, uh, case that he had in re- in regards to. Uh, the, the woman claiming that she had been sexually assaulted, right? And the question was just seemed really just, it seemed just, it was just a bad timing for one. Mm-hmm. But she asked Lisa Leslie, is like, is it complicated to, you know, is, does it affect his legacy? And then it was just such a fucked up question. To make a long story short, Snoop Dogg responded to her, uh, to that question. He's like, man, Gail, what you got to gain from this? Can I say it? You dog head bitch. Right? And he cussed he cussed her out. He's he like said, that was funny. We gonna come we gonna get you. Stop disrespecting the family and back up. Right. <laughs> so then <laughs> So then he apologized afterwards and he was like, Yo, I would never have harm on a seventy year old woman. I know better than that. I was raised better than that. You know, and I didn't mean no harm. I just basically stayed and like have some respect for the family or whatever. But this is the this is the problem I have with it. I think that if you're gonna say something, stand on it. I don't think I think that Snoop Dogg has been a celebrity for so long and has spoke his mind for so long that he figured like you know I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say and I'm not gonna apologize for it. But you that's why you have to be careful. You have to be cognizant of the words that are coming out of your mouth. And he was emotional as all of us were. We'd be like, what the fuck? But you could you could you could literally respond to someone. In such a way that's so poetic and so straight to the point that you can kill them with words and not like 
calling them bitches and shit. Yeah. When you call people bitches and you start labeling them and saying stuff, now it's getting personal. Uh-huh. But if if you were to respond to Gail King and say, I just felt what Gail King did was completely out of just way out of way out of line. Yeah. You know, she she had all this time to ask him this, 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 and this. And like, what do you have to gain? Blah, blah, blah. I think Gail needs to go take a break. She probably needs to retire. Whatever the case. Yeah. And you're done. But Snoop is a crib. So Snoop was like, bitch, you dog hit bitch. <laughs> He's like, well, okay, all right. So yeah, I, I just think it could have been handled better. Um, even though Gail King was way out of line. Uh, but I think it was it was just Snoop doing damage control to me. It wasn't to me, I don't really feel he genuinely wanted to apologize, but I think that somebody got to him, maybe his mom or his aunt or somebody. It's like, hey, you can't be doing that. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I think about it differently. I I commend him for, you know, having the um having the I won't call it balls, but just being grown man enough to apologize. I think right. that, you know, I of of course when he went out there he said some very disrespectful things <laughs> and, you know, we you you never wanna and Gail King has done a lot for, for us as a community, especially for, you know, black people being in that space as far as like doing all these these interviews and, and things like that and paving a way for, you know, for people in our community. But um you know, he just he just kinda he was probably talking without actually thinking about yeah. stuff you know you hear certain things you may have watched and you know snoop dogg does a lot of these little videos that he does from the same position so he probably in his little theater room or whatever yeah. just smoking weed and watching tv all day and consuming content and yeah. you know he just picked up his phone and wanted to respond and you he was know practicing doghead bitch <laughs> doghead bitch yeah he just went out there and you know said some outlandish stuff um but I, you know, I just commend him for you know just apologizing. Whatever the case may be, as far as like who influenced him to do it, he didn't necessarily have to do it because he's no. you know he's a grown man. So I I can uh you know I I appreciate him being big enough of a person to right. to just apologize. Hundred percent. I think that it starts to fall into the whole Kevin Hart thing though, uh, because Kevin Hart started to do damage control mm-hmm. after a while. Uh, you know, in regards to his statement. First of all, he's a comedian and. He posted he posted some on Twitter over t- like ten years ago, and he started getting backlash for it. And he almost he went basically on an apology tour. <clears throat> yeah. And then somebody I forgot who it was. I think it was Terry Crews with his corny ass. The nigga was like, he should keep apologizing every day. He should apologize. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. Sure. No. No. Look here. You either Terry Crews getting his dick touched on talking about Kevin yeah. Hart. I, that nigga's corny some, to me, man. You have some stuff to figure out yourself. I think he, he, all he cares about is pretty much his bottom line. If, if he's going to say all of the politically correct stuff, it's like, stop it, dude. Mm-hmm. He should apologize every day to the gay community because they go through so much, and he should apologize every single day. It's like, Ted, dude. Ted Cruz starting to feel like a puppet to me now. Yeah, 100%. Because he just be, ju- he be jumping out the window. He, he did the whole Gabrielle Union yeah, uh, thing, and then he kind of backtracked those statements, but only like halfway. It's like, who's, like, who are you? Who's putting these things in your ear? Yeah, who's putting things in you? Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you got a muscly vagina, man. What the, fuck? <laughs> the fuck is your deal? It's Kegel exercise. I don't I don't respect men that do that. Or uh-huh. just people that do that. Uh-huh. When it, it doesn't come off as genuine at all. Um yeah. but to make a long story the, short. The crazy yeah. thing is uh, and this kind of is the same deal with two or Tupac with Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. 
we have to stop putting so much stock into what celebrities are saying. Right. They're just they're just people at the end of the they're day. They're people you know, with a platform. I, I don't really care what Terry Crews has to say about Gabrielle Union no. situation. You know, I don't really care what Snoop Dogg has to say about Gail King. I'm a fan of his him in you know in a, in an entertainment world, and I think he does have a lot to offer to the youth, and he has right. football leagues and stuff like that. But right. on certain certain um, instances and certain things that happen in our in our society, I don't necessarily need to. It's just the same thing that the joke that Ja Rule had about Ja Rule is like, well, why do we need to hear? From Ja Rule at a time like this, you said Ja Rule had about the joke. You mean fucking uh, Dave Chappelle? That's what that's what I say. No, Dave Chappelle's joke you, about you said ja the joke about Ja Rule from Ja Rule, but you never said Dave. Oh Chappelle. my bad, the Dave Chappelle <laughs> joke about Ja Rule. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know what you meant though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody gives a fuck about what Ja Rule has to say. It's the same thing as you know Kylie Jenner reacts to. I hate when people do stuff like Kylie Jenner reacts to Kobe Bryant's death, and it's mm-hmm. like. Okay, I, it's a tough time for all of us looking at this, but I just hate how they start to use these things as like, oh, how's Kylie Jenner reacting? Oh, what does Justin Bieber think? I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. I really don't. Yeah. And I don't expect people. My thing is, when I reach where I want to go, I don't think people should give a fuck of what I have to say either. Like, they really shouldn't. Like, does Eddie think this what is Eddie going to say about this? It's like, I'm a human being. Don't put that much fucking pressure on me. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we also have a platform that's designed to talk about certain things. 100%. So our, our, our opinion would be more... Uh, True. Worthy of, you know, someone actually looking True. to us. True. The difference is that we're going to express it, though. Mm-hmm. We, we actually express that every week. So it's a lot different. But a celebrity is like, they're so closed off, they don't talk as much as we do mm-hmm. so they're gonna be like oh what is what does fucking gwyneth paltrow feel about global warming i don't give a fuck yeah. <laughs> you know what i don't do either i don't get behind any people anymore mm-hmm. i don't get behind like yeah i'm supportive of so i only get behind women yep from behind now i don't i don't get behind <laughs> any of these actors or whoever anymore man i just don't because they're gonna make you look stupid look at how many people got behind fucking jesse smollett yeah, and then he did that bullshit. Like, man, niggas indicted. I'm not ever supporting light skinned niggas after that. Ah, uh, that's funny. <laughs> hey, the funniest shit I heard it was a meme. It said, "Uh, light skinned niggas be moaning when they wipe their ass." <laughs> 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 you know, I was thinking something about Drake. I wonder if Drake would get the same amount of hate if he was dark skinned. Mm. I don't think he would. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I doubt it. I I, I doubt it. I just think him being light skinned is like another reason to hate him. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Especially if he's singing. Yeah. Know? If he yeah. was dark skinned and doing this, I don't think that nobody they just be like, man, fuck Drake. He a bitch. He'd be like, what did Drake do, man? Yeah. What did I Drake mean, we do? have like you know the whole historical context of That's the lighter skin people getting the favorable treatment in certain instances. Yeah. So Drake's yeah. just a really good artist, though. I just, it's yeah. just it's hilarious when people just be. Hating him like that. I don't like that. That ain't real hip hop. It's like, bro, yeah. who gave you the fucking rule book to determine what's what? Yeah. Anyway. You would have to do some sort of study where if Kendrick Lamar and Drop and Drake do the same exact song and then you got to like put them out independently and see how yeah. people. They, they both be singing. They both be rapping. They both sing on the hook. And then, you know, rap a few verses and be the same exact song. And niggas be like, oh, Kendrick killed that. Kendrick killed right. that. Like, oh, that nigga Drake gay. Yeah, <laughs> like, what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, 
You listen. I've had, I've had people try to. My, it doesn't work on me. I've had people try to scold me for listening to Drake. They're like, "Wow, you listen to Drake, bro? I should have known." I'm just like, "The fuck does that mean?" It's good music. It's good music. It's like, and you're like, "Really? Why would you listen to that?" Because I'm a grown man that listens to what the fuck he wants to listen to. Yeah, I don't I like, care. And I like women. I yeah. like women. You could, you could listen to Bang Bang shoot 'em up niggas all day, but you know. Yeah. That, yeah, that yeah, I'm cool on that. I don't need to listen to fake gangbangers on the fucking on the, on, the, on the internet thugs. Yeah, I don't need to listen to that crap. People putting money up to their ears and stuff. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not with all that. But yeah, uh, we got completely on a different track. But uh, switching gears. Recently, Dwayne Wade's uh, daughter Zaya. Now, let me preface this by saying this: in no way, shape, or form are we shaming uh Dwayne Wade's child at all. So let me be very clear before we go into this shit, before some of you motherfuckers that are casual listeners try to be like, oh Keith said this or Eddie said this. <laughs> Alright? We're not shaming anyone in the trans, LGBT, or whatever community. So if you feel that we are, just turn the goddamn podcast off. Okay. Uh <laughs> Dwayne Wade's daughter Zaya, um born uh uh a male or boy um, has came out as trans recently um, and is also 12 years, 12 years old. And a lot of people are, you know, um, bigging her up saying like, I'm glad, you know, she's coming out and this, that, and the third. And let's be very clear. I, I believe the two things could be true. I think that it's awesome that if a parent can notice that their child is different to accept that, um, but also, I think that when a child is 12 years old and is making the biggest decision of their life, I just think 12 is a little bit young. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit young. Okay. And before you say, well, eh, and you don't know anything because you don't know what it's like to be trans and you don't know. It's-. Okay. Would you trust a 12 year old to do your taxes? Probably fucking not. Mm-hmm. Would you trust a 12 year old to drive you wherever to the store or wherever else? You probably wouldn't. So why the fuck would you expect a 12-year-old to make the biggest decision of their life? I think as the as your child begins to get older, you know, and become comfortable in their in their own body at that point, then I think it's okay, but 12 years old to me is just so young. Yeah. It's so young. I think about where my mind was at 12, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh that's that's my take on it. Um, to determine who you are at that young of an age, I, I'm not saying it's just being. I'm not saying it's somebody's fault or. I'm not saying any of that shit. I'm just gonna stick by what I said initially. That 12 years old is fucking young. Yeah. To de- de- to decide that you want to be trans, and I think even anybody from the LGBT community should definitely be looking at this and saying like. I commend them, but I also think that 12 is a little early. Let the child be a child. Yeah. I think, you know, as, as far as dealing with that as a parent, it's it's a very uh, right difficult and, and touchy situation. And, yeah. you know, being a parent and you love your kids and whatnot, you want them to, you know, you want them to just feel loved and you want them to, to know that you support them in, in anything that they do. But when it comes to... Um, 
you know, I don't know how Jurassic this decision is or how much the parents are pushing this on, right. on, on the child. And a lot of people have different views about who influenced who. And, you know, right. Gabrielle Union is in Hollywood, so she did this. And, you yeah. know, um, at the end of the day, the, the child is, um, you know, she has her own thoughts and, and feelings about how um, she wants to be perceived in the world. Right. So that's her, her own thing. My only thing is that, and I don't know, I guess, you know, when generally when we think about trans people, we think about surgeries and, you know, right. you know sex changes and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't know how far or how much they're going into that thing. But, you know, for me, I just hope that they don't try to, to push that sort of thing oh, on, on the child. Because, yeah. yeah, because for me, I, I think about when I was 12 years old and I was probably somewhere listening to Kanye yeah. West or 50 Cent or whomever and every day and, you know, just learning the lyrics and, you know, dressing a certain way. You know, I remember junior high, I was dressing like Kanye West and, you know, Kanye West was like, you know, like my idol and I wanted to, you know, be just like him and, and, and things like that. And now to this day, like my the way that I view fashion and the way that I carry myself is com- completely different than it was back then. So I, you know, to just compare myself to, right. to this situation, right. you know, as you grow up and you get older and your brain develops, you just start to view the world differently. 100%. And, you, and, you, and through your life experiences, you start to, you know, just, just view everything differently. And even your decisions are, you know, are, are completely different. There's people that probably took their first puff of weed when they were 13, 12 years old. Right. And to this day, they're like, man, I don't smoke weed. You know, I don't need to smoke weed yeah. anymore. So it's just like that. That's, that's my only, uh, perspective on it. And I have some more stuff that I could say, but yeah, yeah accumulate, accumulate, accumulated. Life experiences. Damn, it took me a while to get that shit out. Uh-huh. I think you need to have accumulated life experiences uh, uh, before doing I something. I think you like accumulated CTE. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Somebody hit the fuck out of me in my head. <laughs> no, um, in regards to like pumping in the hormones and stuff at 12, I 120% disagree with that. I will say that. I don't think a child should have pills and stuff pumped into them. I think that that... And I will say, I will stand on it and say, I think that's fucked. I don't think it's right. Yeah. It's not. You you need to allow the child to grow naturally and uh, to basically not only grow physically, but grow mentally. Yeah. And I, I think that the medication and stuff is like, that's too much. And people from the trans community it's probably, or people in the LGBT community or people that support them would hear this and say, you just don't have any idea what you're talking about. Okay. So let's, let's say this in very, let's be very uh, plain about this. Very, just very basic. Do you think it's okay to put something that is not natural in a 12 year old? That's a yes or no. A qu- that's a yes or no question. Not a, well, I think that no, no, no. It's a yes or no fucking question. Do you think it's okay? To put hormones in a 12 year old If the answer is no That's it mm-hmm. Just that's it Right there mm-hmm. Everything else I have absolutely no problem with I'm not saying this needs my stamp of approval It doesn't <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, is I just don't agree With a 12 year old getting uh, Any type of treatments or pills Or anything at that age Is that what's going on? I don't know mm-hmm. So I can't say that that's what's happening I'm just saying that if that was a possibility, that's not something that I agree with. Yeah, I think I think it's a 
an interesting thing. I, I wish, you know, the, the child is 12 years old, so mm-hmm. we don't have much dialogue from her. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a few, um, you know, little Instagram videos and pictures and stuff at them at uh, pride marches and stuff like that. But outside right. of that, we don't have, have much. Um, uh-huh. I, I just think it's, it's, I, I, I just guessing here or just using um, context clues or whatever. It feels like there is some sort of influence on the child because, yeah, be. um, at 12 years old, you're not, I feel like you're not um, that set in stone in what no. you want to be or what you want to do in life. You know, no. at 12, I was just playing football and having fun with my friends and, you know, just just going about life. And mm-hmm. I guess in that in that part is when you're only initially discovering, like, you're attracted to, you know, exactly. the opposite sex. You know right. what I mean? So I just find it a little bit odd that this child speaks so um, eloquently about, yeah. you know, being... Um, are wanting to be trans or in yeah. things like that. There's that, people that that I know that didn't discover that they wanted to be with the same sex until it was like 20 years old. Crazy, yeah. So, and yeah. I don't know, like you know, obviously, you know, people mature differently and whatnot. But mm-hmm. that, that I just that's the one thing that I find a little bit a little bit strange and true. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, the thing about it is is growing up seeing. Um, because back when I was going to school, like people being openly gay was really not a thing yet. Um, and I graduated in 2003. And back then in high school, people weren't walking around holding hands. But, you know, now I see a lot of young kids, lesbian or gay couples holding hands. And they're like sophomores, freshmen. Yeah. And and my thing is this, is um, I honestly don't see a problem with it. And the reason why I don't is based on the fact that when people have determined who they are, at a young age and and even if but at that age when they 16 17 15 they're that's still way older than 12 yeah you know you're you're becoming an adult and you have this idea so if that's who you determine who you are that's okay um but i i, I grew up seeing people that i knew were different but i never like labeled them as gay like mm-hmm. you're not really labeling people at that age you just like doing your thing you know mm-hmm. um but it's a dude I grew up with that I just knew something was different about him and he got older and came out as gay and nobody was shocked by it. Nobody we never even gave a fuck. Yeah. We just like, oh, yeah. oh okay. He's gay. Yeah. yeah. Big shocker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Big cocker. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's it's a couple actually since they came out. One, two, three. From that I know of, like two classes ahead of me, and then there was one in my class, and a few, and they all came out as gay, mm-hmm. and like another one came out as lesbian, and like to me, it's like everybody doesn't have to be one thing. You don't mm-hmm. have to. Everybody doesn't have to be straight. It's just funny, like how much freedom you have after high school. Right. It was girls that would be um, like hooping every day, tomboyish you know, kind of. Like slightly tomboy, but still kept themselves up as far right. as slicking their little you hair. Know, hair down yeah. and you know wearing like you know nice clothes. And they would they would 
there would be a tomboy in a sense, but they would just basically just be wearing jeans all the right, time. They weren't right. wearing like dresses and stuff. Exactly. I've seen that Outside a lot. of like prom. And then all of a sudden, as soon as they walk across the stage, it's a barber waiting for them on the other side. Right. And giving them a fade. You're it's like, in like every every girl that comes out as lesbian, they all start looking like Young M.A. When they <laughs> <laughs> the little mustache going. Yeah. I've seen this one girl like... Uh, uh, I, I, I seen this one girl. She was grabbing her like privates, like it was like a penis there or something, yeah. and and it was just be and it wasn't because there was actually a penis there, but it was because <laughs> it's yeah. just like I don't know. I just think people are different. Like I've I've worked with the I work with the theory now that people are just different because that's just who the fuck they really are. Yeah. You can say, oh, they're trying to be a man grabbing themselves, and it's just like I don't know if they're trying to be a man. Uh-huh. I just think there's just something wired in them that's different. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder, like how obviously we we you you could recognize like you know you being elementary or whatever, right? You recognize that this kid is um, he's a little bit more feminine than the rest of us are. All his friends are girls. Yeah, yeah. I, I always wonder like how much, and this is no slight to anybody. I don't, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. We're just all like thinking out loud and trying to figure this thing out. Um, yeah. I always wonder, like, how much of that is your your DNA or whatever fibers are inside you that make you attracted to the same sex, mm-hmm. and how much of that is your environment? Mm, you know what I mean? Like, how much of that is, um, you know, you being influenced by the media, you being influenced by, True. you know, the world, and you know, the things that you watch growing up, or people you have, you, people you've seen growing up and stuff. So, you know, I think too, what happens is, I, I, first of all, I think what discredits me completely is the fact that I don't have kids, and also that I haven't had to deal or work with any of these situations. Mm-hmm. But I think if you see your kid is different, I think that it, it it says a lot about you with how you deal with that situation. Mm-hmm. It's like if you notice that your kid is, let's say you got three boys, right? And two of your boys is like these little macho football player guys, but then your third boy is really feminine. That It's going to take a lot for a man to recognize that, you know, his son is different and he might even be moved to tears because he's not ready to deal with it. People need, yeah. to, underst- people need to understand that someone being gay or lesbian is not uh, the norm for parents to go through. Especially think, old school parents. What I think one thing that the LGBT uh, plus community doesn't realize is that they are the minority. A hundred percent. And, you know, as far as, you know, different rights and, you know, the way that people should view them, right. you have to give some people some slack because you're only a fraction of society. Yes, unfortunately. And that, you know, most relationships are heterosexual relationships. Most of them are. And also, like you mentioned, people are learning and learning and unlearning simultaneously. Yeah. So the same person that it could be a dad that disowned his son for being gay. And then all of a sudden he starts to come around and he's like, I miss my son. I really want to talk to my son. I'm so sorry. It's, yeah. it's a bunch. And then now that the, the, the son that came out as gay don't want to talk to the dad no more. So now you got two people that's learning and unlearning things. Yeah. Now you got the son that came out that has to unlearn the hurt that he got from his dad. And the dad has to learn how to, you know, accept his son. So you have mm-hmm. a lot of situations. There are gay people that I, even in my family that have moved to other states just so they could be openly gay. I've, I, 
that's yeah i've seen that so many times yeah they move to and totally different states you just to, you start to see these commonalities between right. people that are homosexual and a lot of them like you said they they want to get away from their hometown a lot of that is due to the fact that their parents or grandparents or whomever are not accepting yeah. of their lifestyle. They're getting chastised for it. Yeah, and they be wanting to move to these communities that are accepting. They right. be wanting to move to LA. They be right. wanting to move to San Francisco. They be wanting to move to yeah. you know, whatever uh you know, whatever spaces are, are accepting right. of, you know, homosexuals or openly, you know, they have like little communities in LA that are like you know, restaurants that a lot of gay people meet at and certain bars. West, West LA is one? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been over there before. And, um... <laughs> I was with my cousin, man. He's, oh, you know, okay. He's part of the community. That'd be crazy. Keith show up and they were like, don't tease me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here if you don't want to be here? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but th- I think is what's cool about those communities is that right um they because they're so comfortable with themselves like they're usually pretty chill like right. and they can usually tell like if you're gay or not just by just by kind of having a conversation with you. Yeah, so, they yeah. probably do gay tests. They're like, "Do you want it? This you want this pink drink that we have here?" <laughs> like, sure, why not? Like, girl, he is gay. Girl. <laughs> I was busting up. Uh, Andrew Show said that. Uh, he said, "Gay dudes be trying to trying to try to find the little bit of gay that you might have in your body, like trying to get it out." <laughs> he said, that, "He said, gay dudes are just like glance and like stare to see if you like look back and try to find any fragment yeah. of gayness in you." That's I was just but like the way That's he told true. the joke was hilarious. That's definitely true. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Gay people be wanting everybody to be gay. <laughs> There's something about him. Look, yeah, the, the way he ties his shoes. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. man. You sure you're not gay? You're like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it's gay. People all- also be trying to turn you out. What do you mean? They be trying to like gay dudes that uh, be trying to hit on like straight dudes. They be always trying to turn them out. Like I've turned someone out before. I can do the same to you. Oh no! I'll be like, hey, well, check this out, man. Because uh, what it comes down to is this: it comes down to good old fashioned disrespect, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and it's not that I would. You know, punch somebody or threaten them or anything because they were gay. Mm. But just like a heterosexual male, if you disrespect me, I'm gonna tell you about yourself. Uh-huh. You know, and there was a there was an occasion where a guy inboxed me, and I don't get hit on by gay guys. I, I don't, uh, and I haven't been harassed and like, ooh, what are you doing? And I I don't get that from gay men, right? But there was one dude that I've known since college, and I knew he was different. But I didn't label him as gay or whatever. He was just a cool dude. Yeah. And then one day he was at work. And uh, I just chopped it up with him, talked to him. And then probably about a week or two later, he ends bo- he inboxes me like, uh, I just want to let you know, I always thought you were really handsome. And I, <laughs> and I just had to tell him, like, look, dog, I was like, you talking to the wrong guy, man. You're barking up the wrong tree, my You're brother. barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. Go bark at another tree. This ain't mm-hmm. it. This wood is for pussy juice only. Yeah, this is pussy juice uh, qualified pussy juice only. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he he kind of like he tried to like uh, flip it on me. Like, yeah. oh God forbid that I came out to you. And I'm thinking like, man, if you don't get the mm. fuck out of my inbox. <laughs> but it comes down to disrespect. If a gay dude they came at me and I'll be like, nah, man, you, I don't do that or whatever. And he'd be like, I'm so sorry, I apologize. I'm like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna flash on somebody because they gay. Because 
that's probably how they get that's probably how they hooked up with other dudes you never know yeah you know but it's sliding in them dms yeah man it's a lot and it, but and to their defense it's a lot of motherfuckers that's undercover yeah they be having girlfriends married and everything Get some dick on the side. Yeah, they they getting motherfucking uh, the dick platter. <laughs> <laughs> DM stands for dick messages. Uh, okay. <laughs> Try with that one. <laughs> Sometimes you don't you don't make them all, man. You don't. Make yeah, them all. yeah. Um, but in a, in a nutshell, we'll say this. Um, in regards to it, um, to Dwayne Wade's daughter, um, I just think that. We as people need to realize that there there's children. I mean, they are children at 12 years old. And as mature as they may sound, as articulate as they may sound, we still need to realize that their brain is not developed to the point to where they can make these grand decisions. Yeah. Let them be a kid first. You know what yeah. I mean? Let them be a kid first. And however mm-hmm. long that takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then they could do what they want. From what I understand, and from all the stories that I've heard, mm-hmm. uh, um, there is a a little bit of confusion when it comes yeah. to figuring out your sexuality, and that's why you always see in these movies where the the guys will be, you know, they'll have, uh, you know, maybe a childhood girlfriend or something like that, yeah. and then all of a sudden they link eyes with a guy in a party or something and they go to the back and then they have their first, you know, homosexual experience. And, you know, these are just movies, but uh, I think a lot of people have similar experiences. So I say all that to say that there's some sort of like confusion about a lot of these people's journey to finding out who they are. True, true. So I remember you told me a story that had me busting up of the dude that came that they told you like I'm not gay or nothing, but all oh right. yeah, I'm what not gay or nothing, but like you know I just always been attracted to you like ever since junior high. I was like, uh, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> that just like that that made me laugh when you told me because he's like he, he said I'm not I'm not gay or nothing, but right. <laughs> it's like you you preface the statement about something. Yeah. Like here's this is why people it's important for people to. Figure themselves out. Once this, you get, high, this guy has kids too. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow! Two kids. Crazy. Yeah, and I think this was this was a little bit before he had his kids. Maybe a year or so before he, wow. he actually had his kids. Yeah. So yeah, he prefaced the statement about something gay that he wasn't gay. Yeah. That's why it's important to figure out who the fuck you are, though, too. Yeah. Because you're gonna be out in the world like, look, I'm not gay or nothing. But I was wondering if you know. You know, you get some- <laughs> I'm not gay or nothing, but can you eat my booty? <laughs> I got this uh, KY jelly. <laughs> right. Like, hey, man, you need yeah. to figure figure it out, buddy. Yeah, I think. Uh, but no, just to to kind of um, the story I wanted to mention earlier. I went to this. I went to college um, with this guy. His name her or with this girl. Her name was Hannah, and she was in the in the film school with us and. Mm-hmm. You know, she uh, she dressed a certain way. She always wore dresses, um, and she she was you know pretty feminine and wore makeup and everything. And you know, she went through her whole her whole college career as Hannah. And you know, everybody, you know, it's a, it's a film community. Usually in the art world, you know, people are more accepting. Right. Of, you know, it would be different in the oil industry, and, right? You know, in, in trucking industry or whatever. Right. But in in arts and creativity, like you know, there were pretty accepting of gay people right um or you know lgbt the lgbt community lgbtq 
K W Y Z A K Y Jelly. Uh, <laughs> Good. Uh, so she, so uh, yeah, so she went through her whole career. Her, her her name was Hannah. Everything was good, and then all of a sudden, um, she made this long post on Facebook, and he or she turned into he. So she she was originally like uh she was born as a male right you know and right. I'm calling her a she because that's how she represented shit or she getting, presented herself right this shit is confusing cool. keep going yeah I was you know I'll scratch my head too but yeah. um so she's born as a as a male I don't know when this transition happened or whatever but she presented as a female and that's how I met her and her name was Hannah so she goes through her whole her whole college career and you know everything is fine and then uh, uh maybe a year or so after i left new mexico um she wrote this long facebook post and you know i don't remember exactly what it said but um some of the things were along the lines of like yo i appreciate everyone supporting me through my journey and through figuring this this thing called life out and now um my name is Alex. Alex had a full beard. What? Yeah, like glasses, just like a macho man all of a sudden. What? It was just like, yeah, it was a complete 180. Oh, my God. And um, so I, I'm saying all that to say that, you know, to kind of go in line with the, with the, this, the yeah. whole confusion and just trying to figure life out. Um, Shit takes time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a journey for, for everyone, you know, and even on... Even as a heterosexual, you're kind yeah. of going through the same, different, similar, different yeah. yeah, different but same different sort but same, of ideals. Yeah. So um, that's why we just say we don't want to put pressure on a, a child so young, right? Because there are many, many examples of people. I know people that have even you know have some sort of like homosexual experience, and now they're completely happy with you know a heterosexual relationship, or you know. So yeah. it's 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 just a lot that. And we're also we're saying all these things to say that we shouldn't put that much pressure on a twelve year old. Can you imagine the, the arguments though? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine like if if the dude that had an experience and then he gets an argument with his wife like down the road, mm-hmm. women would be like, "Oh, so you want to argue with me? Oh, so should I get a man in here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you can never live that down. I guess. I wonder how many of you know is never know man yeah you know you never know but it's i wonder how many people of of those are like open about it like yeah i used to have a nigga but now i got you yeah (laughs) now it'll be some hood dude he'd be like i used to have a nigga now i got a bitch (laughs) (laughs) that's the hook of the rap song yeah (laughs) i used to have a nigga now i got a bitch (laughs) 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 it'd be some whack beat in the background I used to have a nigga. Used to have a nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Do a little ad lib in the background. Used to have a nigga. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh That's god, funny. That's terrible. There's gonna be some people that didn't hear anything we said. They're just gonna you know, <laughs> all those jokes you told. It's gonna be so, a compilation of gay moments. So insensitive to everybody. Yeah. And then the, the, I think that the, the you know how you gave the example of Hannah and Alex, they'd be like, "There's nothing wrong with that. That's normal. It's called gender fluid, yeah, or whatever." And this is like, look, at the end of the day, the person's going back and forth. They needed time to figure it out. Yeah. Am I chastising the person? No, 
right? Yeah. But it's it's a min- minority of people that you know we're still trying to understand. Yeah. So give us a fucking break too for the people that are trying to understand that are also being respectful. Don't give us shit, okay? Yeah. Don't give us shit. Mm-hmm. Now the people that's like, I don't agree with it. I don't get it. It's dumb. Like. <laughs> then you can fuck with them yeah. But I ain't one of them Yeah not someone that's trying right. that's, that's my biggest problem it's Right like, If I'm out here And you know I told you about like You know different situations I've had with like Liberal women And you know Them trying to argue with me About you know Certain topics And right. uh, I think I told the story about um, That's a story about the girl That got mad at me For the um, Oh yeah you told for me mentioning The homosexual yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex scene or whatever Yeah 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 Um yeah, I, I mean, I'm out here trying. Right, right, right. Like, I'm going to gay weddings. You know, I'm supporting <laughs> Hannah slash Alex. Like, <laughs> I don't know where to hug him or shake his hand or what. Like, it's, it's like now to be to be gender respectful, you would shake my hand and grab my butt. Uh, like, I'm not about to do that. Man. <laughs> Just shake your hand, man. Yeah. Shit. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, switching gears. Um. Uh, Keith had put switching me- huh? I messed up. Dang! I knew you was about to say <laughs> switching queers. I knew, you, I knew you was about to say that. I knew you was about to say that shit. Oh my god! Like I didn't want to say it. I was like, let me let him do it. That's not an offensive term, by the way. That was like a you know in the, in the dunk contest when you miss your first dunk. Yeah, that was the equivalent to that. Oh Dang, man, I wish I got it on the first try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not that's not a offensive term that Keith used. Also, yeah, it's something that's it's in that long line of yeah. LGBTQ. Yeah, it's in there. Like, what would it it's be? In it's in there. It's in there. And there's enough. What's the P one? It's pan. It's pan, right? Pansexual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. P, I don't. I, switching gears. Uh, pan, pansexual means you like any and everything. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. So there's a spectrum, right? And pan means like mm-hmm. just like the full uh. women, men, probably a little bit of animals, gorillas. <laughs> 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 when are we uh. going to start accepting bestiality? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Sparky, come here. <laughs> <laughs> Give me uh, that's the real doggy style. Oh, the been dog, gonna be like, for it. <laughs> dog gonna be like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Somebody take me on a walk. <laughs> oh my god, uh, that's crazy. Guys, this nigga's crazy. <laughs> All right, switching gears. There was a, a documentary that Keith had uh, put me up to speed on. It's called Super Size Me Too. Yeah. And most of us have seen the first one where the guy documents eating at McDonald's for, was it 30 days that he did it? Yeah, I think so. I think it was 30 days he did it. And, you know, when if they ever asked him to supersize it, then he had to supersize yeah. the meal. Did he, how many day, how many times a day did he eat there? Two or three? I think it was three meals. Oh my God. I'm He's lucky. Sure. He didn't, if he did lucky, he didn't fucking kill himself. He gained so much weight. So much he got weight. Fat, right? Oh my yeah. God. It was terrible. But he ended up that, getting sick at the end, like throwing up while he was eating. Yeah. 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 Um, but on this one, it's, it's a lot different. On this Super Size Me, he documents, um, uh, the, the fast food industry. He wanted to create a, a no, a no bullshit fast food restaurant that was extremely transparent about what they use, how they used it, you know, what's happening in the food industry. And they narrowed, they narrowed down what people liked the most. And it turned out to be chicken sandwiches, right? Mm-hmm. 
and there particularly was particularly fried chicken, particularly sandwich. fried chicken sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the documentary, there was something called the health halo that they talked about. They referenced it a lot, and it's basically changing the name of things to make them sound more appealing, and also changing the color of things and mm-hmm. the decor of restaurants. Yeah, to kind of trick the minds of people who can't think for themselves. Yeah. So. A lot of green, a lot of green, a lot of vegetable pictures, yeah. tomatoes, all yeah. those things. A lot of wood grain places with wood mm-hmm. and stuff. So you, in your mind, it, it's, it tricks your mind like, hmm, this can't be too bad. In words too, words. Yeah, so, words, mm-hmm. words like satisfying, crispy, natural. Words that literally have no real like, yeah, no real definition in regards to eating health consciously. Yeah. Like nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no hormones or steroids added, which is completely bullshit because they don't put, they can't put that shit in by law, anyways. Yeah. Um, then it'd be another one like organic, and it's not organic at all. Like mm-hmm. by definition. Here's the worst part when they put all this shit on there and they run it through, because I put notes on there. It's, uh, this is the note that I took. It says the USDA cannot afford to test anything, so they don't. If the <laughs> farmer says it's good, they'll just give it the rubber stamp of approval. Yeah. So these people are saying, oh, we have free range chickens and they don't even let the motherfuckers go outside. They and they, when it comes to free range, they just need the opportunity to be able to go outside. That's it. But the chickens that they're raising are so malnutritioned. Right. And like they basically just like obese chickens that all they want to do is just sit around all day anyways. They don't even want to go outside if they did have the opportunity. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's it's weird. And they're 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 they've been genetically engineered to grow like in six weeks. Six weeks, yeah. Be they, a full grown chicken in six weeks. Okay, here's the equivalent. The equivalent to a chicken growing as fast as it's growing, so it's ready to eat at six weeks. Mm-hmm. It would be the equivalent to a human being from being a baby uh to six hundred and sixty pounds. Mm-hmm. That's how fast these chickens grow. That's crazy. That's nuts. And then the chickens, they brought them in to, I think it was the doctor or whatever. Yeah, because uh, yeah. a couple of them basically had passed away or died or croaked or whatever. Yeah, hard and attacks. They, the, yeah. So, you know, in order to, I guess, do his due diligence, he brought it into a veterinarian to check. Because there's a few reasons why these chickens could, could pass away, whether some sort of disease or, right. you know, it could be a heart attack. So basically, he was checking to see why these chickens were dying so uh i'll let you finish no 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 that's cool um but uh, it, it's so much dude and, mm-hmm. and a part of the health halo too is instead of saying fried chicken sandwich it says crispy, crispy. chicken sandwich mm-hmm. so it, it, it changes like you're like mm, crispy sounds good let me get that yeah and if you don't realize if you're getting a crispy chicken salad it's fucking fried you think they're gonna start saying crispy potatoes Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Instead of French fries, French crisp. Yeah, French crisps. Dang. Oh really do- I'll really dominate the uh, food industry. Oh, my God. Because people don't think for themselves. Yeah. It, they uh, people, it's, And it's crazy, too. Uh, th- there are so many notes I took here. And then um, uh, there's words like, obviously, free range, all natural, no hormones, cage-free, humanely raised, or fresh. They literally have no meaning because it's just for labeling purposes. And it, they also can increase the price by what they put on the fucking labels. And it's yeah, exactly. all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, that's why I, I, I had called Eddie right maybe an hour or so after I watched it. Or yeah. I might have called him during. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, 
not to say that you didn't believe what I was saying, but you yeah. were almost under the impression of these certain ideas based off right. of the labels. And right. I was trying to explain to you about the the hormones and stuff like, like that. Nah, man. It's like that's not even a real thing. But basically yeah. what you know what they're doing is all these chickens are raised the same way. You know, when it comes to if they're, you know, if this the farmer John package that, you know, everyone gets and it doesn't have all these, you know, f- labels or green or organic labels on it, that's the same chicken as the the organic and the free range and all this. It's the yeah. same stuff. It's the same exact stuff, but they just put a label on it. It's probably grown in the same farms, right. systems or whatever. And for whatever reason, they want to hike up the price just a little bit more. So they put these labels on it and, um, you know, they're able to, you know, hike up the price a little bit. Yeah. Another note that I took <laughs> while I was watching it was basically stating that, that restaurants are giving false impressions and brainwashing consumers by using a bunch of words that mean nothing and even using decor to trick people. Like I mentioned earlier, uh-huh. companies use vibrant colors like uh, orange and green to give you the impression that, the food is healthier than what it really is. Yeah. So if I give you a green bag of potato chips, right, but the, the outside of it is like a lime green, like a vibrant color, and I put crispy potatoes, you're going to assume that the shit's healthy when it's fucked up. Because mm-hmm. guess what most Americans don't do? They don't turn the package around and read, read the, the nutrition facts. Yeah. They just say, hey, uh, I got these oatmeal bars. I'm eating healthy. But you don't realize each bar has fucking 28 grams of sugar in it. Mm-hmm. And now you fucking you're all fucked up because you keep eating this shit. Yeah. And it's, that's what happens. They, they It's basically it's called Big Chicken. It's almost like Big Pharma. Mm-hmm. But Big Chicken is ran by like six companies. It's like all these chicken. Tyson. Co- yeah, Tyson. Uh, uh, the, Purdue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's like. Tyson is the biggest one. Yeah. Tyson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like these big chicken conglomerates. Mm-hmm. And it's like the mafia, man. Yeah. I really strongly encourage everyone to watch. Yeah. More, more this movie. like, you know, you say that, but it really is because essentially what Tyson does is they're hiring these independent contractors or drug dealers in you know these little cities or whatever right and it just kind of has this like trickle down effect where tyson is funding everything or they're they're paying debts to you know these people by you know turning in however many heads of chickens or however many pounds of chickens and um it just trickles down to where these people are uh basically in these bad business deals and you know they're 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 in these they're they're basically in three sixty deals like these rappers you know be where yeah know, the Tyson is taking everything that they have and yeah. they basically own them yeah it's just, it's a it's a it's a process where the just imagine like a globe spinning but each time it's spinning the money is going into their into their pockets yeah yeah it's pretty fucked up and yeah. a part that tripped me out during the movie was towards actually the very beginning um they. The, the I think it's the male chickens grow faster than the female chickens. Uh-huh. Uh, so what they do is they determine the sex of the chicken. And then when it's uh, not a male, they toss it into like another box. Uh-huh. But the way that they toss the chickens, is just like they throwing it like it's a piece of paper. Yeah. It's so fucked up. These are living beings. L- these are living them. animals and they treat them just so bad. Are you saying that when they when they vaccinate the chickens too, they oh, just yeah. come in and basically stab them in the back? Yeah, big ass, what they call it, a big hypodermic huge, needle. Yeah, huge needle. Huge. Just imagine like, you know, for people out there that didn't know anything about like the bone marrow. Yeah. Tran- uh, uh, I don't know. 
when they sucking the bone marrow out of your skin with yeah. the huge needles. Just imagine yeah. that going into a chicken or going into you. Uh, a, yeah, it's a small chicken too. Yeah. And then when they hit it with the needle, the chicken be like, mm. yeah. And and then this is so fucked up. Yeah. And uh, and then when they take the the chicken to the uh the 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 what do you call it the not the coop but the whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. But like the big area where they feed them and they grow the the the, the chicken yeah, farmer little house yeah the little the grow house mm-hmm. when they take the chickens in there uh, the guides went in there and he like humanely grabbed them by like a couple handfuls and would take them out the box but then the dude that used to get the chickens all the time he just start he just take them by the box and just throw them out he just mm-hmm. throwing chickens all over the place yeah and then they accidentally killed a few chickens by stepping on them. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck, this is just a part of the business that's just like, God damn. <laughs> yeah. Every time I eat chicken now, I'll be thinking about these poor little chickens. Mm-hmm. An interesting part is like he, the guy, his name is Morgan Spurlock, the guy that yeah. d- uh, did the whole documentary and he ate all the McChickens and whatever last, uh, the first uh, series of it. But he, he, in order to do research, him and a couple of uh, guys that he was working with or that he hired, they went to all these different restaurants and they, they ate all of the chicken um, sandwiches. Yeah. Or they, ate, they ate pretty much at every fast food place and they were just kind of the- trickling down and trying to narrow down on exactly what did they want to do and what, what did they wanted to sell. Yeah. And they finally came across the chicken and then so they just went to the different places and they, uh, they started... Um, they started eating everybody's McChicken, whether it was fast food mm-hmm. restaurants, Seven Elevens, McDonald. He actually went to McDonald's again yeah. for the first time in however many years since he had. I said twelve years. Ago. Yeah, since he had did the first one, mm-hmm. and um, he's discovering just little things about all these things. He was like, of course, everyone knows that grilled chicken is much more healthier than the fried chicken, but yeah. he was like, no one likes to eat Nobody fried eats, chickens. I mean, I mean no one eats grilled chicken. Yeah, and then. Um, it was like, well, these some of these are extremely good as far as like, because obviously you want your your chicken your chicken sandwich to be good. But he was like, some of the ones that are actually good, they started to look into the the ingredients, and he realized that the best ones as far as Chick Fil A and yeah, um, fucking MSG in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got all these freaking chemicals that drive people to you know essentially get addicted to it. So yeah. that's why the lines are freaking out the yeah. Out the uh, you know the one in Bakersfield at least right. the line is wrapped around everywhere. the corner. People, uh-huh. are, people are sucking dick for these chicken sandwiches. Yeah, <laughs> the the chicken sandwich is so good that people put aside their differences. That you know these people essentially the Chick Fil A owners are homophobic. <laughs> yeah, but the chicken sandwich is so good, niggas is in there like, well, psh, yeah. One day I was gay, a chick- them gay niggas gonna have to figure yeah. it out because this chicken sandwich. Nah, is good. one day I was in a the line. There was a gay dude waiting on the chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is so good. Yeah. This chicken sandwich is yes, amazing. Big yes. chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, uh, thank you for coming to Chick-fil-A. How, how can we help you? <laughs> like, I want the big chicken sandwich. Hey, uh, bro- which one would you want? The big one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, there's this dude that looks, he works at Chick-fil-A here in Bakersfield, yeah. and he yeah. looks just like Andrew Schultz. Really? Yeah, every time I see him, I'll be like, yo, this is funny. Yeah, you yeah. gotta you gotta like Take a picture of this guy and tag Andrew in it. <laughs> Andrew will repost that shit. <laughs> yeah. Me and DJ, because we seen him, and I be seeing him out, like, just in different places. Yeah. And uh, somebody mentioned to me, like, yo, this dude look like Andrew Schultz. He must have a big-ass nose. Yeah, he, he looked pretty, he looked like he could be Andrew Schultz's younger brother. Younger brother. Oh, wow. 
That's hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. One thing really stood out to me big time. And what stood out to me the most is this, uh, they stated that if consumers took interest in what their food and what they were eating, then companies would have no yeah. choice but to change. But the fact that we just put shit in our fucking mouths, man, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. Nobody cares. They're giving people fried. At the end of the day, people say, uh, Chick-fil-A is not that bad. It's just a you know chicken sandwich. It's chicken. It's uh, chicken you know, breast. It's, yeah. it's chicken breast. Yeah. But it's like, this shit is fried, deep fried chicken, man. Yeah. People go crazy over this shit. I don't, I really, I'm not, I've never been a huge fan of Chick-fil-A. I think they're all right, yeah. but. We, t- we talked about it, though. Yeah. Certain people have more addictive personalities, right? True. You know, it's, it's people that, um, I know people that eat at Chick-fil-A religiously. Yes. But um, the there's people that could wake up or, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a, a regular Saturday afternoon. They're like, yo, man, I really want a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. But yeah. you know, they just have that site, that type of that type of DNA in them. So you need some fucking help, man. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but um, yeah, definitely that MSG is you know you know driving people to 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 show up at the things. But the, I think the interesting thing that I seen was just the way he set up his restaurant. Like he was completely, and he did it in such a creative way. The little phrases and stuff that he had on the oh, wall. Yeah. So when you walk in, um. It'll say, you know, that those basic things or whatever, but and it, then they'll explain them. Yeah, it'll it'll have like a little creative way of explaining it. It was like so it'll be like um, all those like fruits and lettuce and potato. I mean, tomatoes and all the things on the wall wrapped around the chicken sandwich or what, yeah. whatever. And then they'll be like, look at this luscious lettuce and look at these bright red tomatoes. This is basically a health halo and you know what i mean yeah. it's like you know this is just fluff to let you know that uh yeah. to to kind of bypass this idea that you're actually eating a fried chicken sandwich yeah yeah it so. put like he had a they made a fried chicken sandwich but they put fake grill marks on oh it. yeah 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 that they was fucking hilarious. they painted grill marks on yeah. the chicken sandwich it's that like, was i caught i think what he called it a crispy grilled chicken sandwich yeah, yeah. that was fucking hilarious yeah and yeah. there's so many other things like you, you we kind of skipped over it but if you guys are out there, you definitely should watch it. I, I watched it on Amazon Prime, but one of the the things when the guy went to the went to the vet and he took he basically took two chickens over there, and it was just crazy how he's ripping open the chicken. Yeah, yeah, oh, this yeah. This is yeah. a living thing. At, yeah, like to me seconds ago. Yeah, you know, I I understand why I I don't like when um like these vegetarians and these vegans are like uh disrespectful towards people that do eat meat right but um like i can understand if that's if that's your take on the world and that's your take on uh how animals are consumed i can understand why you would be you would be vegan because it's just like it's just kind of uh inhumane the way that some of these that's another one they talked about like humane treatment like (laughs) there's no such thing (laughs) the the i mean at the end of the day it's the same result yeah, you know, we're just whacking the fucking chicken's head yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you if know? you pet them or if you if you're nice to them, if you give them a name, it doesn't matter. They're still dying. Yeah, this is Susie. Let's push them in a fucking meat grinder. Yeah, it's like it doesn't like. There's no such thing as humanely, you know. Yeah, and you know what it is? I think it's almost like the meat companies mocking vegans. Uh-huh. Vegans say things like they're not humanely treated. They're thrown in these small places. They're this and that. So what the the meat companies start doing is they got smart to it. They said, "Oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's all you wanted. 
they start packaging humanely treated, <laughs> uh, motherfucking cage free, and it's dead, and it's dead. It's on a freaking how the cooler. It, there's no such thing. Okay, like first of all, let's say you get shot by somebody, right? They're not gonna say you know he was humanely shot. Like you was just shot. Yeah, <laughs> it don't make no yeah. sense. I know it's probably a bad analogy, but fuck, man. Yeah, uh, the the thing that. Like back to the whole veterinarian thing, but yeah, so he he, he rips the chicken open. He just um he's he whip, rips open the breast. And he's like, yo, like the breast on the freaking chicken was huge. It was big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. some big old double D's and um some Pamela Anderson. <laughs> yeah, he has some. Yeah, some. Uh, what's the uh, what's the old country singer? Dolly Parton. Yeah, Dolly has some Dolly Partons on him. Dolly Parton got the biggest titties. I man, he that shit is crazy. Yeah. There's no way that those things is real. Yeah, it was gotta no be fake. I think at one time she had big titties and they wasn't even fake yet. Really? Yeah. <laughs> then she had natural big Back ones. Back in and the 70s. They got bigger titties. and bigger. Big She'd be 70s. singing a song and then her titties be singing as a backup singer. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but yeah, so he ripped the chicken open, huge, huge breast. Um, and he's just ripping the thing apart and then he was able to. Uh, dissect the chicken and, and he found out that the heart had failed just through just through looking at it because he's he's probably yeah. looked at millions, millions and millions yeah. of chickens and whatnot um, and you could tell just by based off the arteries or whatever yeah. they were showing different images and it would be like some sort of like green like yeah. avocado stuff growing around the heart yeah. and you'd be like oh my gosh be like yeah is this that? is you know this is uh, whatever E. coli and this is this and this is yeah. like whatever disease that is associated with chickens and stuff but one of the things I was crazy, and we talked about how the chickens grow, basically, um, they become obese or, you know, extremely overweight in they six weeks. They have heart attacks. Yeah, and so they're having heart attacks as well as their legs are not strong enough to support their body. Yeah. So that ch- particular chicken had broke his hip. Oh, my and, God. Uh, you yeah, know, that was bad. part of the reason why it wasn't really able to maneuver and stuff like that. And, you know, it eventually had a heart attack. The craziest part, too, is when... They can't, it's so much stuff. This is a great documentary, but the, when they were finally at six weeks, the chickens were full grown. The, the people came in and they started to cage up all the chickens, capture them up and cage them. A couple of the, you know, then, and the chickens, they know what, they know what the deal is. They, you know, they have a, a a certain, uh, a certain, um, intuitiveness to know that they're about to die or they're getting captured or whatever so they're yeah so they're just running around and trying to get away from the 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 human beings that are capturing them and during then there were like two or three more chickens that had heart attacks yeah because they're just running around and it's you know the blood is pumping and adrenaline is going and they just died that shit is fucking nuts And, and it's crazy too like we don't consider like what these animals go through when we eat them like, I was just like, yo, like, can you imagine how many chickens have a heart attack and they just slice them open right there to get yeah. the meat? God dang. Oh, it just died. Yeah. They or even, you know, them. in that documentary, well, they, they, they seen them. You could see them throw them away. But, yeah. 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 You know, but if, if they didn't, some sort of malpractices, the thing could die right there. Then they just throw it in a little thing and we eating meat that was dead. You know what I mean? It's, and yeah. and that just, you know, trying to make money. Yeah, I think really what I seen what fucked me up was the the treatment of the farmers. Um, yeah. The big chicken controls. Let me see the, what I put down for the note. Uh, big chicken controls the farmers and basically turns them into indentured servants. Like yeah. uh, one of the farmers had to lay chickens two days after his son died and he didn't even get the holidays off. So 
this guy, his son passed away, and he he literally, if he didn't go and get them chickens laid, then um, they wouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. Like he said, this job is terrible. He's like, I can't take my family on vacations. I can't do anything. He's like, I have to constantly be putting these chickens down or we can't even survive. Yeah. He was $4 million in debt. Four million. Because what happens is, is whenever they get a new batch of chickens, they force them to do like upgrades. So then they got to apply for bigger fans and they got to get bigger cages and this and that. And that costs them money. So they get a lot of houses, too. You yeah. would think like, yo, you're making a lot of money. But yeah, he was in debt. Still. You owe four million dollars. All those houses don't mean shit. Mm-hmm. They, they got you by the balls on purpose because they, they know you got to keep working for them and they keep on upgrading it on purpose to make you pay for it because you get most of it on credit. So yeah. you're going to owe you're going to owe them for the rest of your life. Yeah, you're gonna die. Like you're years, gonna die hard in to debt. Out of four million dollars in debt, just based on some chickens. So that's so fucked yeah. up. And even the guy, you know, go back to go back to how they were treating these people. Yeah. Even the guy that was helping Morgan, I forget his name, but his check was small. Yeah, his check was small, and then eleven thousand after the the that batch that Morgan had did for with them after that batch had um been shipped out and they grew or whatever he didn't get any more chickens after that nah because he got blackballed yeah he was a part of the, the documentary yeah the guy uh morgan spurlock right yeah morgan had called in and say i'm trying to get some chickens and he gave his name and he said hey you're that guy that does the documentaries huh yeah. like the chicken like these industries they know who you are it's like the fucking mafia yeah they knew who he was without him even like making that known known like they mm-hmm. knew it and he's like, yeah, I do it, but I'm just looking for some chickens. Yeah. And it proves that these people got something to hide, man. Oh, for sure. And a dude sent a, he, a, dude sent a letter, one of the main dudes from uh, the big chicken corporations. Uh, and it told people like to be on the lookout for this guy. He does documentaries, this and that, stay away from him, blah, blah, blah. And uh, <laughs> it's hilarious because the dude, Mer- Morgan, he went to the headquarters to try to invite that guy to his restaurant and yeah the, and the dude just like act like he wasn't there and he was really there yeah this shit is nuts man mm-hmm. yeah um don't fall for what's on your labels folks you could read it but i would read the nutrition facts the nutrition facts hold more uh water than what's on the front of the fucking packaging yeah i mean you know even you know i've been ignorant in certain situations where you know you think oh this is just um you know, it's just this little little chicken sandwich, or this is just a little uh, veg- vegetable burger, or whatever. And you know, you you start to read the things, and if, even if you look on a menu now, you see like there's a lot of uh, restaurants having these veggie burgers and black bean burgers and stuff. But then you realize, like, why does it have so many calories? <laughs> yeah, it's like this th- this veggie burger has more calories than a regular burger, or than the chicken sandwich. Yep, it's like there's so many lies out there. I think it's just important for us to be to to be uh, to be woke in these instances because, um, you know, you'll 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 find yourself in a hole just believing everything that these companies are saying on the surface. Yeah. And you end up getting sick. Yeah. From not reading what's on this fucking labels. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. everything I eat, I know what's in it. I know how many calories is in it. All that. Mm-hmm. So when I'm eating something bad and it's got a lot of calories, I'm like, yo, I probably can't eat nothing for the rest of the day. Yeah, that was a lot of fucking calories. So that had a lot of sugar in it. Yeah, I don't like to eat too much sugar, way too many calories, especially since I'm dropping weight. 
because this stuff is harmful to you, man. You gotta, you have to be careful. You have to be cognizant of what you're doing. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't got nothing on that. Nothing else on that. Uh, switching gears. Um, Black History Month. Right. And before I, uh, you know, start talking about this, uh, any of our white or non-black listeners of the podcast, let's be very clear. This is not an indictment on you uh, for not knowing about black history. Black history was not even really taught to black people. Okay, Mm -hmm. We, we grew up with a very watered down version of what black history is. Now, I want everybody listening to do me a favor. All of our uh, white or non-black listeners, even black listeners, who do you really know in regards to like leadership besides like Martin Luther King and motherfucking uh, Rosa Parks? Just think about that for a moment. Mm-hmm. It's not very many, and you don't really know that much, right? But <laughs> that's because black history has been suppressed in school. Like it's crazy how they'll there there'll be history lessons on fucking Christopher Columbus, but you notice that I haven't really seen any textbooks that talk about Malcolm X. Yeah, none of them. Mm-hmm. I didn't really learn about Malcolm. I knew he was, but I didn't learn learn about him till you like go to college. Yeah, you know, which is nuts. I you think know? I can say you know as much as uh you know we didn't learn about him. There was a few teachers that I had along the way that made an effort to um, introduce black uh, historical figures to us. And right. one, of, one of those teachers was uh, Mrs. Mendez, my fourth grade teacher. Oh, she out. would every, I don't know how often it was, but every now and then she would pull out this book and it was just these uh, really, really dope stories about black cowboys. So it was just interesting, you know, as a, as a little black kid at sitting the, in fourth the grade. Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys? No, wait, what? I'm fucking with you. <laughs> you said black cowboys, the, yeah. the ones that play for Jerry Jones, or no, who's what not you them indentured servants. Oh, not that, <laughs> not that Prescott. Huh? <laughs> yeah, so there, there was a, uh, so the, there was those, um, and it was. I don't know if these stories were even real or if they were, they weren't real, but um, it was dope. She, you know, she would read those stories um, every now and then, so it was cool. That's awesome, man. I, I think. Um, black history is a celebration of our contribution to this country, mm-hmm. right? And black history is American. <clears throat> it's American history, mm-hmm. right? Um, since you know America's inception, um, and I think that it's important for everybody to know. Now, let's be very clear um, to the non-black listeners: that does not mean you have to pander to black people during Black History Month, like. Oh yeah, it's I know some people out there. Pandering. Oh my, it's definitely mm-hmm. some people pandering to black people during Black History Month, and it is so annoying. Don't try to impress me by knowing my history and be like, "Hey, I know about this." Okay, that's great. I think it's great if for if you're a person that's white or whatever you are, and you want to learn about our history. I think that is phenomenal. But let's be very clear: don't do it to try to impress black people. Do it to generally, genuinely learn about someone else's culture. Yeah. Like in regards to Mexican culture, I don't like walk up to Mexican people like, guess what I found out? You know, like, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Cesar Chavez, ever heard of him? You ever heard of Cesar Chavez? <laughs> what about Cesar Lopez? <laughs> what about Mario Lopez? <laughs> like, hey man, just yeah, back off. Migrant right? workers, fruits, huh? Ever, ever, ever heard of it? Ever heard of kiwis? <laughs> ever heard of kiwis? <laughs> Without Mexicans, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have kiwis, man. <laughs> all right, man. All right. <laughs> It's just a little bit forced. I just what I encourage people to do is to get the information just for you. Get it for you. You don't need to yeah. post about a different black person every day. But if that's genuinely who you are, that's awesome. I think that's great. I just I just see people that are pandering and it's not genuine. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times white people specifically they get a little caught up in pandering to black people, and that's fucking annoying. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's so fucking annoying, man. Yeah. Like, I don't need you to pander to me. All I need you to do is respect me like you do everybody else. Yeah. But don't be like, yeah, you know, it was so wrong what they did to Martin Luther King, but, you know, at least we got Tupac. I love Tupac. You'd be like, <laughs> all right, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to stop doing that shit to black people. That's one thing you yeah. got to fucking stop. It goes back to that uh, <laughs> that Atlanta episode where yeah. the, the guy is celebrating uh, Juneteenth or something like that. Yeah. And the white, oh, yeah. The white husband is just over the top with the, with yeah. the whole black, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's over the top, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to be a, like, you don't have to do all that extra shit, man. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate the fact that you would try try to understand uh, black culture. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. If... um. If black history is considered American history, then why are we privy to the contributions of black people? Yeah. And what I mean by that is, is, is the textbooks and the things that it's a lot of things that as a black man, I didn't learn until later on in life. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of shit that I did not know. And I, and you will see um, inventions of, you know, inventions or things brought up and it'll be a lot of like, you know, white people, they get the credit for them. But then there'll be something created, like something comparable to that by a black person that I didn't even know. And this here's the thing. I think that we're, like I mentioned earlier, we're learning and unlearning so many things. And what happens is, is an old racist America suppressed a lot of black history. Yeah. And now a lot of things are coming to um, coming to the forefront and we're getting the information now, you know, and I think it's cool. Um but it's it's also pretty concerning, you know, and you hear some people say, like, why is there even a black history month? There's no such thing as a white history month. And I'm thinking, like, you need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's all we know. <laughs> it's like you need to shut the fuck up. The mm-hmm. reason why there's a black history month is because black people have obviously been oppressed, suppressed and systematically just it's been it's bad mm-hmm. okay and here's some things that i would bring up in those regards of why things like black history month um exist um black people are not have not been empowered by the u.s government one of the things that really suppressed black people was redlining and let me explain what that is i brought it up briefly before but in the united states and canada redlining is a systematic denial of various services to residents of specific, often racially associated neighborhoods or communities, either direct or through selective raising of prices. So literally, literally, um, black people were being denied home loans and they were not being empowered. So they were not able to move to these areas. And I remember somebody was saying something about reparations, like don't give black people a handout. That's not right. We shouldn't be doing that. Let's be very clear. 
Am I over here rah-rah about reparations? I'm not. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind it. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) And you talk about a handout. Back then, during this redlining, white people literally got handouts. Literally. Redlining was implemented by the U.S. government to not give black people homes and to literally being basically being white got you in a home. Now, I know this is disturbing for a lot of people to hear, but don't listen to me. Right. You might think I'm a biased black guy. Just fucking look it up yourself. okay? Mm -hmm. and you'll see that it's right on par. And then what is the purpose of redlining? The term refers to the presumed practice of mortgage lending lenders or drawing red lines around portions of a map to indicate areas of neighborhoods in which they do not want to make loans. And then uh, redlining on a racial basis has been held by the courts to be an illegal practice. And it was illegal, but the U.S. government put it into play. So black people went from slavery. Then after slavery, they were promised 40 acres and 40 acres and a mule. And they never fucking got it. Separate but equal. Separate but equal. Then you had... Um, uh, segregation mm-hmm. like we could my grandfather couldn't even drink out of the same fucking faucet as yours and that wasn't even that long ago mm-hmm. okay there has been a history of black people being oppressed in america and i know a lot of y'all don't want to hear it here we go again there's another situation where black people are complaining about not you know blah 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 and complaining about the white man okay Stop watching Fox News. <laughs> Stop watching Fox News and open a fucking book for once. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just look here. I'm not I'm not one of them people on the left that is trying to make you, you know, relive things over and over, but I am a person that wants you to get the history. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you're too close-minded, just turn the fucking podcast off. Okay? <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot more. But I I know Keith has something important to also ch- uh, chime in on with. Yeah. Um. There was a, a black name, name a black man named Jebediah Johnson, and um, he was actually the first person to discover pussy juice. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Jebediah, give it up for Jebediah. Give it up for Jebediah. <laughs> <laughs> thorough research on pussy juice. Yeah, but die. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting some real shit. When he said Jebediah, I was like, oh, this is about to be some, this is about to be some fire right here. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Fuck. Shooting. Oh man. But no, uh, as far as Black History Month, so there's this guy's name is um Carter G. Woodson. Yeah. He's a historian and a writer. And he realized that one day he realized one day that, you know, there was a there was there was a lack of information about historically black figures and our and black people's contribution to right. American history. And um he thought basically to to create a week. And the reason yeah. he chose February, he he chose the week that Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln's birthday was on. Mm. So it was just a week. Um, and that was in 1925 or yeah, I think it started in 1925, 1925 or 1926. Um, so he did that and, you know, it kind of, it kind of promoted it throughout the country. And then it wasn't until Gerald Ford, I believe it was 1976, Gerald Ford took this idea and he expanded it and turned it into an actual month. And the the way his statement, I, I didn't write down the quote that he had, but his statement was pretty profound. 
And it was basically sort of aligned with what Carter G. Wilson was saying. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. we kind of want to 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 um, use this month to promote and learn about black history because it's a part of American history. Yeah. But it's um, sad that <clears throat> didn't happen until 19 fucking 70. Yeah. Think that about a long that. way away from, you know, when the week was created. Fuck. And that's not that long ago. No. Fuck yeah. no, it's not. One interesting thing that I found out was Carter G. Wilson didn't actually want black history to continue. He thought it was not necessarily a one-off, but right. he wanted to um, to create a thing where it, it would basically disappear. And not because he didn't want to, us to learn about black history, mostly because he wanted this, this, he wanted it to be normalized. He wanted black history to just be right. ingratiated into the history that we learned right, in elementary right. school. Right. Um, and obviously that hasn't, you know, that hasn't happened because, you know, I was only able to account one or a couple instances where I learned about black people in history right? outside of Martin Luther King and the marches and so right. and all these things. Um, cause there's so many other historical figures out there. Yeah. So many. Crazy. I think this is just random, but I think, uh, this is a leap year, I mm. believe. Hmm. So there's going to be people born on today or not today, but the. February 29th that, you know, won't have a birthday until four years from now. Ah, that's a trip. Yeah, so this is crazy. That's just some random stuff that I have seen. Yeah, some of the... We should call that the Molecule segment. (laughs) The Molecule (laughs) segment. (laughs) This week on the Molecule segment. Did you know that if you put baking soda and water together, you you could create a volcano? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's... But there, there's this whole movement to do away with Black History Month, though, mm. and um, I kind of, I'm not really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit neutral. I haven't really thought it out too much. But mm-hmm. there's this guy; he made a whole documentary uh, wanting to dismiss Black History Month for this reason, though. But mm-hmm. the, the thing that sucks about it is we haven't progressed far enough to do away with Black History Month because. Right. Um, you know, we don't we don't learn about it enough on a regular basis. One hundred percent. We're not in a position to do it. Even you, you look at the uh, the the Google commercial that came out. Yeah. Which is basically like yeah. basically showing it. Ba- the the real theme of it is like, hey, America, black people are the coolest. <laughs> uh, we have the best athletes. We have the best speeches. We have the best uh, Pulitzer Prize winners. We have the best uh, what was this live on? performances. Is on a, a commercial? Yeah, Google has a commercial and it's, it shows the most searched. Uh, things the most searched performance Beyonce the most searched athlete LeBron James the most searched dunk Michael Jordan the most searched guitar performance Prince the most searched female athlete I think it was like Serena Williams so it's like it's on and on like you know basically the most searched Pulitzer Prize winner Kendrick Lamar Um, just like back to back to back a whole bunch of different things the most searched speech Martin Luther King Uh, so all these things uh, it's it's a dope commercial um, you know, for people out there, you could you could Google it, but um, but we you know we haven't progressed enough to know that that um, I'm gonna say that that's not normal by any means. The most searched anything is an amazing feat, right? Right. right. Um, but I don't think me personally, like just thinking about it now, I don't think we should do away with the month. I think this is an opportunity for us to kind of. Obviously, I'm black and I know a lot about black history and I don't know a lot right. about black history, but it does give me a month out of the year for me to kind of sit down and really hone in on, you know, what it means to be black 
and um, to kind of do, you know, do more research on where we as a people came from and some of the people that have done amazing things in our community or people that done amazing things that look like me. So it's really cool. Yeah. Um, I had a, a fact here. Let me go back. Um, no, nah, man. Um, to piggyback on what you were talking about, mm-hmm. I guess you were talking about, uh, you know, oh, uh, Ford. Yeah, I think with that's what I needed to look up. But Ford had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of black employees. Uh-huh. I know. I think that the uh, the car industry was booming in Detroit. There mm-hmm. was a lot of black people working for him back mm-hmm. then, a lot. So mm-hmm. I could see why, like, you look in your factory and it's a bunch of fucking black people in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, these black people are making me a lot of money. <laughs> Let me be politically correct. <laughs> I love black people. I love black <laughs> Americans. I'll tell you what. I love those niggers. <laughs> What'd be funny is if you see like an old video from back in the day, mm-hmm. and it'll be like a, like an old white guy, and he says, "What I love about the Negro is," you'd be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> the American Negro. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that's why. But in regards to um, why Black History Month is important, because um, there needs to be eyes on you know. On the just on the country in general. That's not also. Um, mm-hmm. Gerald Ford is not the person that has the the oh. car company. Who was it? His name is Henry Ford. Henry Ford. Yeah. Did I say Gerald? Gerald Ford is the president. Ah. Uh, wh- whom we were talking about, but Henry Ford is the person with the. I just said Ford because I, I I had it fucked up. Yeah, there's a lot of Fords out there. Yeah, Harrison yeah. Ford. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. Ford F one fifties. Oh man, what's funny about Harrison Ford is, as long as I can remember Harrison Ford, he has been fucking old he's the old, whole time. Yeah. He's. I would hate to be that. I would hate to be Morgan Freeman. Actually, um, yeah, that's he's what always he is. looked old. Yeah, uh, but you know, he doesn't look that bad for his age. But no, you know, there's some. You know, Harrison Ford. He just he been looking like nigga been fifty for. Harrison Ford is the white fucking, he's the white version of uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. He's been old a long time. Even in Indiana Jones, he was fucking old. Yeah, he's like, in Indiana Jones, he had the same lines. I didn't kill my wife. (laughs) (laughs) It's the wrong wrong movie, man. This is no no knock to, to, I'm not going to say any names just because, you know, I aspire to be in Hollywood and whatnot. But Uh there's certain people that you you kind of look at them and you'd be like, yo, like this nigga is not a good actor. Right. You'd be like, why is he in so many different movies? Is he just got a name or what is it? Uh, probably hanging out with Harvey Weinstein. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Show me what you got, young man. <laughs> yeah, you never know, man. Yeah. Some people out here sucking dick. Girls. <laughs> nah, I, I just think that uh, Black History Month, we should not do away with it just because we all don't know enough about it. Yeah. Um, and it would just be a waste of time. But I've, I've, I've literally seen jargon from people like uh, fucking Tommy Lauren, where she's like, why, like, I don't know if she said it verbatim, but it, the question more or less is, why is Black History? Why, why is there Black History for it? For you know, we I don't understand this and that. Uh-huh. And it's like at the end of the day, Black people. Um, they don't. They're not even properly represented in textbooks. Mm-hmm. And like, if you look at these worn down areas that you know, like in Baltimore, a lot of areas where black people live, 
It has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, they need to get jobs and they're lazy and they're uneducated, which are the age old staples, you know, that people go to. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that they haven't been empowered. The school system's not empowered because the area is not empowered. Mm-hmm. When when America was redlined and it sent uh, white middle class households away from these areas and kept these black families here, they stopped funding these areas. So what's going to happen when you don't fund these areas? I'll tell you what, infrastructure looks like shit. Uh, schools underfunded. A lot of kids dropping out. Teachers don't even want to be a part of the faculty because they ain't getting paid, but they're getting paid at the other, at the other schools. Mm-hmm. So this has happened all over America. But for some reason, as Americans, we don't know this. I think yeah. it's important for all of us to know. Th- and here's another thing. If you're listening to a black guy like me and you don't like the information I'm giving you, then get it for yourself and you'll see that I'm not fucking lying. Yeah. Okay. But this is the reality of it. And then here's another fact about uh, the 40 acres and a mule. Uh, many free people believed after being told by various political figures that they had the right to own the land they had long worked as slaves and were eager to control their own property. Free people widely expected to legally claim 40 acres of land, a quarter, a quarter section and a mule after the end of the war. And they never fucking got it. Mm-hmm. So black people have been bamboozled most of the time. Now, I will say this, that we are now all afforded the same opportunities. I say that the education's out there. We can all get it. And you say there's no excuse. But I believe that there's no excuse and there is an excuse. And that there's no excuse because the information's out there. Keith has his degree. I dropped out. But uh, Keith (laughs) has his degree. (laughs) And we all have the opportunities to own real estate and things of that nature. Yeah. But the problem with it is, is a lot of us are the first generation of those things. Right. So we have to be the outliers. Like we're like, I don't, you know, my grandfather's a hard worker. He has a lot. So that's a good thing. But um, if you, on my father's side, like he wasn't given a business to pass down to me and and a lot of um a lot of white families are afforded those things they have a family business that has been passed down for the past 70 years things mm-hmm. of that nature that really don't exist in black communities but it has nothing to do with black people being lazy and not having the 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 work ethic to have it it's the fact that they never had it yeah which is pretty fucked up yeah um but yeah I I just encourage people to look, um, to open the textbooks, use Google and and fact check everything that you heard today and inbox me on something. I would love to, I would love to talk to you. uh, I think um, just the the, the amazing thing about this month is that we, we do get reminded that we can uh, know more about black history. A hundred percent. So, you know, whether you're white, you know, black, brown, whatever, um, you just learn about you know interesting things that you didn't actually know, you, like right. the, the first black people in outer space, or um, the first, the first, uh, or the you know we we talked about the guy that did that invented the super soaker and yeah. how he got a huge settlement and he, he I yeah. think he's continually receiving royalty still and he, yeah I think there was the last number that I seen was like or heard was seventy five million or something yeah it's like crazy that, that know, thing was. Super Soaker was huge in the yeah, 90s, man. Yeah, I'm sure still. And I think I think that same technology is used in some of the different uh, Nerf guns and stuff now. So yeah. I think that, you know, he's probably still just if recouping. He had a patent, if he had a patent on that, then they got to pay up. 
Yeah. They're paying money, money, money. That's why that, that intellectual property is mm-hmm. huge right now, whether it's a trademark, a patent, or yeah. just an idea. And it's I think, you know, the amazing thing about these stories is that they're 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 fighting an uphill battle. He's not supposed to be right. able to create essentially one of the biggest toys in American history. Right. And, you know, be able to recruit money from it. So I think that's that's just amazing for me, and that the, right. and and as a as a black people and as a black community, we have to uh, be able to look at these historical figures, look at guys like Malcolm X and you know the guy that invented the super so- soaker, and people that are almost like underrated in a sense in in black history, and and use that to catapult ourselves, hundred percent. You because know, in in you know we see what. We are capable of. We are capable of creating the biggest toy in history. Right. We're create. We're capable of creating cartridges for the biggest gaming system, right. the Nintendos. We're capable capable of being um, NASA engineers and going to outer space. We're capable of. Like I just read off all the facts about um, the Google commercial. We're capable of being you know, a Pulitzer Prize winner or, 100%. you know, amazing musicians or, you know, uh, amazing poets yeah. and Maya Angelou. And, you know, so we're capable of all these things. So don't, we don't have any excuses. You know, we yeah, have, right. like I said, we're fighting an uphill battle, but there has, if one person has, oh, Nick, what the, what's up with your phone, man? Come on, man. That's, it says, uh, uh, Google was listening to me. What did it say? It just listen to me say all these things so don't we don't have any excuses. We know <laughs> I don't know what the heck. Yeah. You know, that's some Google Pixels. They just be listening to my com- be listening to my podcast. Yeah, that's crazy. At least somebody listening. Nigga, but- what were you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> but no, what I was gonna say is that as long as there has been one example, even even without any example, but as long as there is one example, we know it's possible. You know, Kobe sure. Bryant, all Kobe Bryant had to see was Magic Johnson or he, all he had to see was Michael Jordan. And he knew mm-hmm. that he could be a great basketball player. Yeah. So we just take that same energy I, and do stuff. Yeah, I will say this. This is what I encourage people to do, especially the non-black listeners. I encourage you to talk about Black History Month amongst you know your friends that may also be non-black and ask them what do they know about black history month and they'll be like yeah you know martin luther king and that's probably the only fucking person that they know about yeah that means if you if you genuinely want to learn more then it's cool i i would i would encourage you to do more yeah just to know more about the person around you you know, especially and, if you're taking black dick, you need to know something about black history. <laughs> 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 oh, that's crazy, right? Oh man, that'll be crazy. You got fucking Taekwondo hitting you from the back, but you don't know anything about this culture. You don't know shit. That's funny. All right, well, when you're getting smashed by Taekwondo, <laughs> uh, okay, I'll give you some facts here. Um, uh, Sarah Boone. Uh, Sarah Boone, um, the ironing board is a product that is that that's used possibly just as much as it's overlooked. In the 19th century, it was improved by Sarah Boone, an African-American woman who was born a slave, one of the first black women in U.S. history to receive a patent. She expanded upon the original ironing board 
which was essentially a horizontal wooden block originally patented in 1858. With Boone's 1892 editions, the board featured a narrower, narrower and curved design, making it easier to iron garments, particularly women's clothes. Boone's design would morph into the modern ironing board that we use today. Mm-hmm. That is fucking amazing. And yeah. I didn't know that a black woman created that shit. That's she, crazy. Yeah, it's cr- she modernized it, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. This is in 1892. She was a fucking slave, man. Crazy. Yeah. You you come from that much trauma. You come from a traumatic experience of being a slave and you own a patent. Mm-hmm. That is fucking insane. Think about the, this is the amount of what black people had to overcome to be successful in America. Mm-hmm. And here's another one. And this is, this was one I found pretty cool, but I knew this, but I just wanted to verify. Mm-hmm. Um, cool Herc. Uh, cool Herc Campbell became to, be, began to isolate the instrumental portion of, of the record, which emphasized the drum beat, the break, and switched from one break to another. Using the same two turntable setup of disco DJs, he used copies of the same record to elongate the break. The breakbeat DJing using funky drum solos formed the basis of hip-hop music. Campbell's announcements and exhortations to dancers helped lead the syncopath rhythmically spoken accompaniment Mm-hmm. Now known as rapping, so he is a founding father of hip hop. Yeah, and the reason why I bring this up is because hip hop is the biggest genre in the world. Yeah, right. Even people that say I don't like hip hop, that who would have known? Right, who would have known? And it's very young. Hip hop is very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's supposed to be. Uh, it was create. Hip hop was supposed to be born in 1973. Uh-huh. But it didn't come around to the later 70s to where it was really like, okay, we here. But hip-hop's very young, and it's the number one genre. And even people that claim, I hate that hippity-hop, I don't listen to the music, yeah. they still use, um, uh, what do we call it, um, words or things you could hear in the Urban Dictionary. Mm-hmm. Like when people say, like, yeah, I got my wife this bling-bling, that came from a rep, a, a, a from a hip hop, from from a song, yeah, it came from uh, the Hot Boys actually created it mm-hmm. with Lil, Lil Wayne. Wayne. Yeah, so hip hop culture has affected America like big time. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty it's awesome what black people have overcame. I was just um, it's just funny like just hearing that. I was thinking about I know a a, a guy that I know that makes music. He's a I think he's white. Right, um, right, right. And he was he was he had a song going, and he was using like some some lingo from our culture, like throwing it back, and you know, certain, yeah, certain, certain phrases. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Man, that's just crazy. It's, right. It looks weird, you know, seeing him talk about it, but yeah, you know, just knowing the genesis of these things where they come, we, the, we, the origin. We, yeah, we invented these things, right? Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. They'd be like, I had had me some mashed potatoes and some some green beans and that, and it tasted so bomb. And you'd be thinking yeah. like, mm, okay, we know where that came from. Yeah. You know? So Middle Eastern. Huh? Indians. <laughs> <laughs> I said that was a bomb. He said he said it came from Indians. Middle Eastern. <laughs> oh man. 
Oh man, <laughs> that'll be crazy. Can you imagine telling that joke if you're dating an Indian chick? You'd be like, "Yeah, we hooked up. The pussy was bomb, a pipe bomb." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, that's comedy. Oh, oh man, mm. I ain't got, I ain't got nothing else. <laughs> that's pretty much it, man. I think, um, yeah, I didn't look up too many names, but I did uh, think back to the time when we seen Just Mercy, and we didn't really get a chance to talk oh, about it. So, okay, I just wanted to highlight him, uh, Brian Stevens. Just you know, free freestyling here. He was a uh, he was the the main character in the movie Just Mercy, played by Michael B. Jordan. But in the movie, um, basically, it's this you know this young Harvard um, graduate that basically seen a void, and the void that he seen was that there was a lot of people on death row that were essentially going to die for things that they didn't do, and right. you know because they were um, black and poor, no one. They didn't, you know, they couldn't afford lawyers and no one actually cared for these people. Right. And the only person that cared for them was Brian Stevenson. And essentially what he did was um, he 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 created this or I don't know how I don't know how they funded it. I think it was some sort of nonprofit or something like that or um, how they actually found the funds for these things. But um, it might have been a grant that he had got. But basically, you know, out of the kindness of his heart, the, he was extremely talented. You know what I mean? He probably could have went on to be financially more successful than he ended up being just because he was so good. And he, his resume said Harvard on it. Right. But <clears throat> he ended up wanting to, you know, fight for this cause. So in the movie, he freed um, he freed a couple people in the movie uh, from from certain sentences. He got a bunch of retrials and stuff like that. But he saved so many people's lives. Like this is like a real superhero. If you if you think about what a superhero is, a person that you know flies through the air and you know fights off villains or whatever and save saves people's lives. These are like real world superheroes. Like because he basically um, saved these people's lives because they're on de- these are people that are on death row. Um, for who knows how long, but you know, eventually they're all going to sit in some sort of electric chair or right. you know get the needle or something. But you know, through his brains and his wit and just his sheer intelligence, he was able to save these people lives. So uh, I would definitely, um, if you if you're out there and you haven't seen that movie, Just Mercy, I would I would suggest you guys go see that movie. It's a great movie for sure, definitely. I would also encourage you to try mango salsa, which is completely unrelated to what we were talking about. <laughs> but it just tastes so great. I had some with some shrimp and some rice. Oh, my God. It was so good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's all. <laughs> I, was, I was looking up some stuff earlier and, um, um, you know, like Madam C.J. Walker, her story yeah, yeah, as far yeah, as yeah. like creating a black hair care products mm-hmm. and the pomades and, you know, mm-hmm. eventually becoming one of the first African-American millionaires. Mm-hmm. Um one of, one thing that stood out to me was it was just interesting to see like how especially now we we recognize that um you know it only takes a few like it's let's say like a hundred people to buy a certain product for yeah um like a hundred dollars or something and then you get and then you become a, a millionaire or whatever right. so um or a thousand people at a hundred dollars some, some whatever the math is. Well, forever to whatever gets you to uh, seven figures. Um, 
I just thought it was interesting because you, when you think about it, you think about um, how you can be extremely successful within a niche. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't take the, it doesn't take the world to appreciate what you do. It doesn't take like 90% of America. You don't have to cater to um, everybody to, to be successful. And you know what she did and black people being only, I don't know, at that time, what the percentage was, was but low. now, yeah, it's probably lower than it is now. Thirteen percent um, now, yeah, like thirteen percent. So, you know, a fraction of thirteen percent was able to buy her product, and it she basically yeah. focused on um, black women. So, like maybe, so you got thirteen percent, and that's you know, women make up a little bit more than half. So it's probably like six percent, and then. You know, with, within those six percent, it's probably only a small fraction of those people that actually right. bought our products. So basically, like you know, it's amazing to know that you can just carve out a niche and still be extremely successful. Hundred percent. Uh, if you just utilize it and market your things right. Hundred yeah. percent. What I think is pretty is pretty like it's it's crazy. Um, is black people represent thirteen percent of the country, but dominate the NFL yeah. and the NBA. And motherfucking uh in in obviously the hip hop industry. Yeah. Um and it's crazy how such a small population of people can be that successful. But I think we need to see more black people like in tech. Yeah. More people more black people learning how to code. More mm-hmm. black people um I don't know. Just they need become, to be introduced to it. Yeah, exactly. First. Yeah. But there yeah. there are some people out there and you know, I wish I would have actually done some research, but there's a lot of guys behind you, like some major uh, tech companies that are. Idris Sandu. Yeah, Idris Sandu is he's he's the next um, big name that's out there. Yeah. He's definitely on his way to to becoming. Um, Idris Sandu is a person that basically helped Nipsey Hussle build his smart store. Yeah. So and he's still doing you know amazing things. So uh, shout out to him. But you know yeah. back to. Um, Madam C.J. Walker. So that was impressive to me. And then also the fact that um, she was, she was, you know, one of the first black millionaires. And then I had looked up the, um, the inflation percentage, right? And a million dollars. And this is, she was, I think she, she was in the early 1900s. So mm-hmm. she was like 1908, 19, yeah. 1905 in that, in that range. Um, one million dollars in nineteen oh eight, that would be the equivalent to about almost thirty million dollars. Damn! Um, in two thousand twenty. Oh my god! So you know, our net worth was probably crazy, man. She buy whatever she wants. To That's insane, <laughs> man. Yeah. If if I was a black person living back then, you know, the first thing I'd buy. What's that? Security. Yeah. <laughs> you rich and you black in the early nineteen hundreds. Man, you better get security. Yeah, yeah. Get a get a water fountain where you don't where it ain't got to be black. Ain't on got it. no color on it. Ain't got yeah. no color on it. <laughs> Shoot out Kool Aid. Yep, straight Kool Aid mm-hmm. with a bunch of sugar in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I've got nothing else, man. Um, if you've been listening to this episode, where are we at, by the way? Uh, two twenty nine. Okay, man. It just felt like it's it's kind of late, so it felt like it was almost three hours. Almost. Yeah, dang yeah. there. Well, if you've been listening to this episode, we appreciate you. And thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Finks. Be out of here. Peace.